Well, good evening, Vacaville. Apologize for this late start. There was um, a special session that began at five o'clock. Um, due to the discussions, we were unable to start this meeting on time, so we apologize. Um, there's nothing to report out. I will say that in not completing it, we will return after the session, even though we have closed session, to continue the, the conversation that we started in the special session. So. With that, uh, I wanna welcome all of you in Vacaville for coming to the regular scheduled meeting for the City of Vacaville City Council meeting, January 24th. Good evening, and with that, can I start with a roll call? Council Agency Authority Member Stockton? Here. Richie? Here. Silva? Here. Chapman? Here. Roberts? Here. Vice Mayor, Vice Chair Wiley? Here. Mayor Chair Carley? Here. Will you please rise with me for a moment of silence, followed by the pledge? Council Member Richie, will you please lead us in the pledge? I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. Thank you. All right, item number three, approval of the agenda. Motion to approve. Still with motion, second. Chairman seconds, all in favor? Aye. Next, we will move to the approval of the minutes. Motion to approve. Second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Seeing that we have no presentations, we will go to item six, consent calendar. Is there any member of the council that would uh, choose to pull any item off the consent calendar? Seeing none, any member of the public that wishes to pull an item off of the consent calendar? Seeing none, do I have a motion? Motion to approve the consent calendar. All in favor? Aye. Item seven, business from the floor. This is the time when anyone from the public who wishes to speak on an item that is not on the agenda may come forward. I had the pleasure of meeting with Mayor Carley over an issue regarding the flooding. I've come with a solution. It's an already set of approved blueprints for detention one and two. One has been built, two has not. I had to leave my home six times in 13 days, starting New Year's Eve this year. My home was destroyed New Year's Eve 2004 to the tune of $150,000. In that, if my home had flooded this time, plywood was $6 a sheet then, now it's $120 a sheet. And I'm just asking, A, for those approved blueprints, detention number two to be installed and no more construction adding to our drainage until such detention that is already approved. And I'm sorry that you lost your federal funding and your state funding. It's past history, but it needs to, to be resolved, and I thank you for that. Thank you. Anyone else wishing to speak to the to any item not on the calendar? 
Seeing none, I will close business from the floor and we will move on to item number eight, public hearings. Seeing none. Item number nine, business. <coughs> Mr. City Manager. Thank you, Mr. Mayor, members of the City Council. This first item before you tonight is a resolution authoring the Chief of Police to make several purchases related to software products needed as a follow-up recommendations to the recent audit. With that, I'll turn it over to our uh, Chief Smutzler and Captain Poland for a brief presentation. With Captain Chris Poland, who will be presenting this item uh, at reference the technology requests and that came out of the OIR reports recommendation. So I'll let Chris take it away. Good evening, Mr. Mayor, uh, Mayor Carly, congratulations. Members of the city council, I am humbled to present uh, this bit of business item to all of you tonight. As uh, all of you are aware, the OIR group recently completed an audit of the Vacaville Police Department and in their written report, they provided 40 recommendations for us to consider as we move forward. Tonight, I'm here to address some of those recommendations and ask for your approval to purchase additional software systems. Next slide, back one. The current technology possessed by the Office of Professional Standards and Training, also known as Internal Affairs, needed to accommodate increased transparency, efficiency, responsiveness to the public, and meet legislative mandates, either uh, and meet the legislative mandates is either non-existent, outdated, or labor-intensive. Essentially, we're not able to keep up with the demand with our current systems. My goal tonight is to give you an outline of the three software systems best suited for the Vacaville Police Department. Staff believes by updating our technology, it will help address seven OIR recommendations, which we included as part of your staff report. I'd like to briefly give you a breakdown of each software system and how it will help our organization. Let me just say before I continue that our staff contacted several other law enforcement agencies within our region, even Sacramento Police Department, sat down with them, worked through their software systems, and then we went through several demonstrations through different software companies and before making any decisions. The three software systems that we would like to move forward with, one is Veritone, it's a reduction software, two is Frontline Public Safety Solutions, addressing our internal affairs process, and Granicus, also known as GovQA, which will help our public records requests. I'd like to start with Veritone and give you a brief outline of what it is and how it will help us. Veritone is a redaction software that's user-friendly, so staff can redact faces, identifying, pers identifying personal information, or case-sensitive information more efficiently uh, from our body-worn cameras and our in-car camera systems. Just for reference, it takes us currently five employee hours for every one hour of video that we have to redact. This software will reduce our staff time by 75%. Currently, we have about 200 hours up to 250 hours of backlog digital evidence that needs to be processed. 
we're asking for approval to contract with Veritone to get us cut up. Typically, uh, just for information purposes, our department typically handles about 250 hours of video audio redaction every year. The next company I would like to briefly talk about is uh, Frontline Public Safety Solutions. Uh, this is a next generation software company who's making their mark by becoming a one-stop shop for law enforcement technology. They currently offer eight different software programs under one login to help agencies simplify their technology demands and staff can customize their programs best fit our needs. For tonight, I want to talk about Pro Standards, the database offered by Frontline Solutions. In our opinion, it's everything OAR talked about. It will improve the intake of citizen complaints, track and monitor use of force, vehicle pursuits, officer accountability, and it provides an early warning system. It also allows our community, if they so choose, to provide positive feedback to our officers and through, through our administration. So it's an outward facing uh, software where our community can respond to us about the good or the bad interaction they had with our, with our police officers. Uh, this program also allows our staff to track claims that come in through the city attorney's office and uh, pitches motions also worked with uh, through the city attorney's office. This database for our council members and upon request will provide real-time information in various graphs and or in a statistical format. So anytime you have a question about use of force, pursuits, how many, et cetera, we can produce that to you because it's real-time information as we keep it up to date every day. Next slide. The next uh, software I would like to talk about is Granicus slash GovQA. This software system will help address ongoing public uh, information requests. It will improve the efficiency, compliance, citywide intake, and tracking so we can meet the legislative requirement. Last year alone, Vacaville PD had 43 in-depth PRAs and each required more than 40 hours of staff time to produce. Vacaville PD had about 175 PRA report requests uh, that also required redaction. So it's basically a citizen coming into our lobby asking for a report and then we have to go through and redact that. We had about 175 of those last year. Uh, the Vacaville Police Department is looking to purchase 10 licenses, so the city manager's office, so we can help Michelle, our city clerk, uh, city attorney's office to help with uh, managing our PRAs, and the police department so they, everyone can see incoming and outgoing requests and meeting the legislative timeline. Uh, staff recommendation is to, by simple motion, adopt the subject resolution. And I'm here to answer any questions or hear any comments. Thank you, I'm gonna open it up to the council if you have any particular questions on the presentation. House member Silva. Hi, uh, thanks for the presentation, good to see y'all. Um, so just a couple questions. Um, so number one, have our, had, number one, has our department demoed or actually seen this particular software in action to know that it's actually effective? Uh, number two, uh, in the name of transparency, have we engaged uh, anybody from the public just to see their input? Um, perhaps, uh, you know, particularly the, the group that was involved in bringing in the auditor. 
And um, uh, the third question is, uh, are res can residents submit a compliment or complaint um, not electronically? And then the last question is, can they submit that in other languages? Let's start with uh, number one, the uh, department, the, the uh, department. Have you guys demoed? Oh yes. Uh, so we went through, uh, we went to the Solano Sheriff's Department, went to the Fairfield Police Department. We went to Sacramento Police Department. Uh, we were able to see different programs, some of these that we're talking about in action through different departments. Not every department has what we are using altogether in combination. Uh, some have a GovQA, some have uh, IA Pro. That's kind of the leading industry software program that's out there. Uh, we looked at that program, decided it was not in our best interest and realized most of the agencies are looking to move away from that for a variety of reasons. What we liked about this are all of these particular programs is are customizable to Vacaville PD. So it's not off the shelf. This is what you get. This is how you use it. And you can't adjust the program. This allows us to say, uh, based on our staffing, based on our needs and based on the amount of requests that are coming in, we can customize it to how it fits us. So we, yes, we're able to see it in action. And we're also able to see the other ones in action that we didn't like. Uh, number two on the transparency side of it, it's uh, we did not engage uh, the group that helped form the OIR recommendations. It would be pretty difficult for, um, in my opinion, it'd be pretty difficult for them to understand uh, the degree in which we're trying to operate with these programs without sitting down with them for hours on end and saying why uh, this is going to help us. Uh, but we do feel like these are industry best practice and best standards, what we're bringing forward to you today. And the residents uh, currently have the ability to always walk into the police department, get a complaint form. Uh, it's also on our um, portal that they can, they can access electronically if they choose to, and they can write uh, and submit a complaint, and they can also walk in and submit a compliment as well if they choose to. This provides both in the sense of electronically and they can still walk in if they choose to, to to say nice things if they want. Vice Mayor Wiley. Uh, thank you for the information and for you know moving forward with the recommendations from the auditor. And it sounds like these will hit several of the recommendations. I was kind of concerned that there's three different programs. And then what you said was using the Veritone will get us caught up. So once they get you caught up on those 200 hours, will we still need a contract with them? Or, so will all three be going forward? Yeah, we're gonna, um, Chief and his command staff are working on coming back to council with additional requests, and that will probably be coming next month at some time. Uh, we anticipate once we're caught up that the staff is able to maintain moving forward if uh, these positions in the future get approved. All right, and so I didn't bring my notes. So are there contracts like ongoing a year or two years or what? How, what is the contract for these? Yeah, so two of the three are gonna be year by year. The Granicus is gonna be a three-year uh, three proposal, three-year contract. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so year one, year two, and year three each have uh, adjustments in cost, uh, but that is outlined in the staff report as well for cost. Okay, thank okay. you. You're welcome. Councilmember Roberts. Yeah, thank you. I uh, appreciate the presentation on this. You guys taking steps to address uh, the audit concerns. Uh, all looks good. The only thing I had a question on was for Granicus, uh, because the city already uses Granicus. Is this an additional package we're adding on to our existing system, or is it a completely different package just for you guys? The city, yes, they do have it. This is a separate package simply for meeting the PRA demands, and it's shareable throughout uh, the city. Okay. So like the different, legal office the will be suite. able to use it as well. And so it's not just strictly for you guys, but we, for PRAs for other aspects of the city as well. The goal is for our city clerk's office, city attorney's office and PD to collaborate with these 10 licenses that we're looking to purchase. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Council member Chatter. Thank you. Um, thank you for the report. Um, You're welcome. I wanted to inquire, I want to ask, with the contract, will an individual from each of the companies be assigned to work with you during that 24 month period and as you extend the contract? Yeah, so what we've seen with these, these three particular companies, they have a demo person, more of the sales, uh, more of the sales side of it. And then once we transition, they move us into uh, a different set a different side of the house per se, so we can work with any administrator if we're having struggles or we're having uh, some trouble with our side of it and trying to adjust how we want to make it uh, customizable to Vacaville. There's someone on the other side with these three companies to help us. Okay, so a question here. Do you have any staff that are that is or will be resistant to this change? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. Um, I, I can tell you, and if the chief wants to jump in, he can, but I will tell you where our current, with our current staff and where we have been and where we are at today, uh, staff is embracing the future. Uh, staff is embracing technology. Their understanding of the legislative requirements. Is it a struggle? Yes. Uh, has it been a struggle? Yes. But moving forward, uh, we believe in the professionalism of our staff. Um, our staff is probably, in my humble opinion, I'm biased, of course. Um, and our staff is resilient. Um, they're educated. And it's, it's something that all of you should be proud of, of our men and women going out there and providing the best level of service that a city can, that a city can receive, in my opinion. But again, I'm biased. Um, but if the chief wants to add that again. Sure, thanks, Chris. Uh, and the, the ongoing joke with, with police officers and firefighters is there's two things they don't like. It's the way it is and change. So we struggle either way. Uh, but what I've found is, especially with this, the newer generation that is coming on that we're hiring, they grew up with with body cameras, they grew up with technology that allows for accountability. So to the, to them, this is this is their native environment. So they're very uh, receptive. They kind of teach us dinosaurs, if you will, how to how to properly use it. Um, but the vast, I can tell you that the vast majority, um, they all know that it's it's coming and that it's something that's going to help our efficiency. Uh, so I think in that regard, there there is momentum and excitement there. Individuals who may be a little 
Absolutely, yeah. We have uh, tremendous uh, supervisors that that do make sure everybody's getting up to speed with what they need to know. So, okay. Question: Is Frontline and Veritone? I think I have that correct. Are they only for police officers? Like, uh, they pro provide software strictly for uh, armed, for armed forces, police officers. Uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know their full scope of uh, what other what other companies are using their product. I know it's specifically driven for public safety, but I'm not sure if you know military or some other public sector or private sector company are using them. And the only reason I'm asking that is um, with the need to upgrade in other areas here in the city. I was just wondering whether or not they would be a vendor that may be. Um, suitable for some of our other upgrades. That's something that we can, you know, certainly look at. I mean, we have a IT strategic plan. And so as we begin to implement that and, um, you know, we'll make sure that they're on the list that could be included in any referrals or anything to that nature so that we do make sure that we get the best product out there. But it's putting it out there. There are other areas that mm -hmm. Absolutely. need the IT. Thank you. Councilmember Ritchie. Thank you so much. Um, I, I definitely need the microphone. Uh, thank you so much. Um, I just want to kind of piggyback off uh, some of the questions that a lot, a lot of the questions my council members were really good. Uh, myself and, and Jason had the opportunity to be um, to, the, to the people of the six person committee that went through the hard process of selecting the audit group OIR and what it took to get to that point and then the amount of time and effort, and we heard him speak in the past of how amazing of a job the police department did by opening up the doors, making sure that they were able to really do the job and bring us back the amazing report that we all heard. Um, I appreciate the fact that you guys didn't just take the recommendations of the software, read our lines, it was good for us. You guys actually went out to the local communities like Salon Sheriff's, Fairfield, and the state capitol. It has a lot of activity. They probably use it a lot. Um, I really appreciate the fact that it's going there, put boots in the ground, and got that face to face. That guys, does it work? Does it not? Gives your gives your off the record opinion. Um, I appreciate the work, and I think this is only going to answer the OIR request to make the city of Akron's police department um, go to the next level, improve and improve public safety's opinion and transparency. And so I think it kind of hits all the bars. So at this point, I'd like to motion to approve it. Not there. Oh. This is just if you have questions for presentation. I haven't opened up to comments yet. So, any other questions for the presentation? Well, there's more in line here, so I just want to. Since since Richie has the floor for oh, questions, I'm, thank you for doing a great job. Thanks for answering questions. I'm done. Thanks, sir. Right. Next is uh, Councilmember Roberts. Yes, one clarification slash confirmation. Um, I read it in, your, in the staff report earlier. I believe it right in there was, uh, this isn't anything additional on the budgets, utilizing your salary savings from staffing shortage to pay, to cover this cost? Correct, yes, uh, working with- At least for this year. Correct, we worked with uh, finance, Ken and, and Leslie to, to get the, uh, the, the numbers right. It did come from the salary saving. Okay, thank you. Council Member Silva. Yeah, sorry, just to clarify, I didn't, um, sorry if I missed it. 
is is there alternative languages that people can read the software respond without having personally seen the demo i can't answer that but i there should be and if there's not uh we will make that happen and there's num a number of languages spoken in Vacaville, and uh, it's not just, you know, two main languages, it's several. So we want that to be a feature. Um, I know our Office of Professional Standards uh, lieutenant is here. I don't know if he necessarily knows if, if we uh, have that already in place, but the direction would be if we don't, that we need to have uh, that additional language added. Okay, and, uh, and just to clarify, um my suggestion was that anything that the public is supposed to have an interface or action with that we have something to get feedback from those particular stakeholders uh i totally understand on the it, like most people wouldn't know about the productivity of um, uh, the interface for the other other side so that's why i was asking that all right thank you that's member stockton Yes, thank you for the presentation. Uh, really appreciate your receptiveness to the OIR report and, and uh, making your department more accessible and transparent and efficient and all of those good things. Um, do you still contract with, uh, are there are there folks at the police department that have access to translators if some, for the time being, while we're figuring that out, you can call, your dispatchers have the ability to deal with trans, uh, translators and your officers in the field if somebody needs to call and make a report. Yeah, it's actually used on a regular basis. So if, if our dispatcher can't communicate with the, with the language that's coming in through the call, uh, there is a translation service that we uh, forward them to and listen to the conversation and they, and they provide us uh, what's going on with the conversation and that's how we dispatch the police officer. Okay, and um, would people be able to telephone in if they're not technologically savvy enough to, to to go online or don't have access to a computer and file these reports and would they then be uploaded so that they can be viewed by everybody at the same time yes okay um thank you for the presentation i just had a couple questions obviously language and accessibility is a big deal um clearly appreciate the the, the thoughts about being proud for the service in the organization and just like in all places there's an there's an evolution of policy and law and a lot of this came about in the last couple of years I appreciate the department being nimble in learning and understanding sections like you know 1421 and 748 every department in the city has its own challenges with legislation in Sacramento this just happens to be the most recent one and so what I'm what I'm hearing tonight is, is that from your perspective that while there may be some takeaway on language, I can't imagine that we're the first agency I, and if they're in business, that would that would be an important factor too. While there are many languages, uh, Spanish is a very common language in this community and we want to make sure that that's available. Sure. But I would ask a simple question too. Um, there, are, there are many forms of mechanisms for people to, um, if there is a compliment or a complaint, um, whether they're coming into the lobby, you receive emails and you follow up, even if they, somebody sends an email, correct? Yeah, I mean, emails come in through sergeants, they come in through uh, command staff, uh, they typically get forwarded to the Office of Professional Standards, and that unit, Lieutenant Larson, currently will reach out to them to, to follow up on the complaint. So this particular software, the desire is to standardize whether 
whatever mechanism it comes in, it will then be entered. So there is a single point of location that your staff gets to work on so that you can, you can track and you can follow up on, is that correct? Yeah, so we're, uh, we're excited about this because every uh, sergeant on up will have access to this. So if a complaint comes in, uh, no matter what sergeant is working, no matter what lieutenant is working, they can enter the complaint into the software uh, that we're looking to purchase and it gets routed to Office of Professional Standards and they kind of dictate who's gonna handle it from there, either his office or he's gonna send it back to the sergeant or the, the other lieutenants to follow up on the complaint. But it's a universal system that everyone's gonna use so everyone can see what's happening with, uh, with the complaints that are coming in. Okay, and then as, as far as this has the ability to provide reports and feedback that can be useful not only to the police department, would some of those reporting uh, capabilities provide, um, whether it's to the city manager or to the public or to us as a council, the ability to show that transparent response? Yeah, and I actually think you'll uh, like what it's going to produce uh, simply because you can ask how many use of force uh, incidents that we have, and it's gonna provide you a breakdown of how many calls for service we had uh, in response to how many use of force we had, the vehicle pursuits throughout the year. Um, it's gonna provide the data behind those um, vehicle pursuits, all of which uh, you guys as a council, as a governing body will appreciate having that feedback. And the public's gonna be able to see that too, um, based on us being able to release it in a timely manner. And then one last question before I open it up to the public. I, if I heard you right, there's probably something else coming to council because one of the biggest challenges with mandates is it okay. takes personnel. And so have you factored that in? Uh, yes, Mr. Mayor, uh, thank you for that question. Uh, we've been working very hard since uh, uh, early November upon receipt of the report from OIR. Uh, and the command staff has done a tremendous job in building out what we believe is the most effective path uh, to address the recommendations. Uh, not every single one of them, there are a few that we're working around, but the vast majority of those recommendations with the staffing requests that will be coming um, will directly uh, address the vast majority and it'll allow for um, I don't want to get into too many details. I don't want to, you know, blow the surprise, but um, it's it's really going to allow our staff to focus on things that are incredibly important right now: recruiting, retention, personnel issues, training. Uh, in addition to the IA side of the house, with compliance now being a huge part of what we do, making sure that all the uh, the laws that have been passed recently are are being complied with, and so um, we built. We built this around the, the uh, request for additional staff um, that we'll be coming to you next month with. Thank you. And I know this would be a trick question, so you don't have to answer this, but um, do you know how many um, software technology solutions exist within the police department? As, as you bring up that question, I'm, I probably shouldn't answer it, but <clears throat> we're actually doing an audit right now to outline how many software pieces, programs that we have in our organization right now and see where we can streamline, where we can cut uh, just to be more efficient. But the initial audit, it's, it's incredible how much technology is within our police department right now. You know, within dispatch alone, there's over 60 different 
types of software being used at any given time. I don't think the public understands how technical it's gotten. And that's why every time we ask for a change or a legislation, it requires staffing and technology to do it and to maintain it and our IT staff. So thank you. With that, I'm gonna open it up to the public for any comments on this item. Seeing none, I will close public comment and bring it back to the council. Do I have any other questions or I'll look for a motion to entertain? Motion. Silva. Silva, motion. We have a second with Chapman. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Thanks, it carries. Thank you very much. Next item, uh, 9B, resolution for an exception to the 100-day wait period pursuant to government code section. So Mr. City Manager will be presenting. Thank you, Mr. Mayor, members of the council. As you mentioned, it is a resolution for an exception to the 180-day wait period for a retired annuitant. We have Brian McLean, our public works director, and Sandy Hess, our employee relations manager, here with a report for you. Good evening, Mayor and council members. My name is Sandy Hess. I'm the employee relations manager here with the city. And with me is Brian McLean, our public works director. Tonight, we're asking you to approve a resolution that will allow us to bring back a recent city retiree for a limited term work assignment. Um, so uh, typically, a CalPERS retiree cannot be employed by a CalPERS agency for a minimum period of 180 uh, days after they retire. Uh, however, there are some stipulations in the government code that provide an exception to this waiting period when specific requirements are met. This include a critical need with special skills, <clears throat> a limited duration assignment, and the request has to be approved by the agency's governing board, which is why we're here tonight. Uh, Tim Burke um, is retired from the city on December 31st of last year. Uh, he served the city for 26 years, most recently as the uh, Assistant Public Works Director over Engineering Services. He is a licensed professional engineer and has been the primary contact on several large ongoing projects, including the um, Triad, tri triad <laughs> Lagoon Valley uh, Jepson Parkway Phase 2 project. <clears throat> We wish to have uh, Mr. Burke return on a limited basis on call up to 40 hours per month in order to assure continuity and completion of these development projects. He'll be paid $86.14 per hour with no additional benefits. So the total amount requested for this is $17,500. Um, no additional funds are requested uh, because the primary funding source will be um, development engineering salary savings and the CIP projects that uh, he'll actually work on. So this meets strategic plan goal number four, uh, maintaining effective and efficient services. And our recommendation is by simple motion to adopt subject resolution. And we're available for any questions if you have any. Thank you for the presentation. Mm -hmm. I'm not seeing any questions from the council, so I'm going to open it up to the public for comment. Uh, I, I have a quick question. So anytime, let's say you have retired annuitants, and when you make exceptions like this, 
what assurances do you give the retired annuitant that you're going to process the paperwork in such a way that you don't put them at risk for losing their pension? Because I know there's penalties where CalPERS sometimes will say, oh, you exceeded working the number of hours. And so, you know, and then it really causes a problem for the retired employee. So I was just curious, you know, what, what the process is to make sure that you protect the retired annuitant from any kind of penalty or audit. Thank you. Thank you. Can you answer that? Sure. Okay. Um, we, we are very careful about bringing back retirees um, for that very reason, um, to protect their pension and to protect the city from any penalties. So before we bring back anyone, we do get it pre-approved by PERS in advance. Um, we don't always have to come to council. It's only to waive that waiting period. Um, and then we, we carefully monitor the amount of hours they can work in a fiscal year, um, you know, in order to keep track of that. Thank you. Uh, anyone else? Seeing none, we bring it back to council. Vice Mayor Wiley. So you mentioned that um, there's a certain limit. So this particular first contract, does that meet the, the minimum or would he be able to work additional hours if needed? Uh, he could he could potentially work uh, additional hours by PERS standards. Um, it's 960 hours a year. Okay. Um, but that's not what we're expected to, to need from him. So you think this will be what, what we need to get his input? Okay, thank yes. you. And I just had one follow-up question on that is, when you factor that dollar amount, that's gonna be how many hours? It could fluctuate depending upon project, I would assume. And uh, is there any do not exceed limit on this or is this just for a period of time? because you intend to continue with his help until these projects are done or until you get the staff that you need. Good evening, Mr. Mayor and Vice Mayor. Uh, to that question, a little bit of both. Um, having uh, Tim on board uh, will allow us to be able to, for me as the department head, to be able to field the resources that we need to meet the mission of the, of the council and uh, the objectives of several large projects that are coming on online right now uh, Jepson Parkway being a 26 million dollar project and the uh, I-505 intermodal overpass project being approximately 20 million dollars uh, we will utilize uh, Tim's resources and his skills to be able to uh, work with our consultants and be able to move forward those projects in in a way that makes sense we may end up fluctuating you know between uh, that 40 hours as sandy said per month uh, he could work more as necessary but we'd be monitoring that up to that 960 hour per year mark so that he doesn't go over that that threshold thank you seeing no other questions do i have a motion well uh, oh. Sorry. Happy Wait, retirement a Tim. Wait a second. <laughs> Silva, hold a second. Silva. Oh, it's good. Happy retirement, Tim. Uh, motion to approve. Wait a second. Seems like there were more questions. Got too fast here. Vice Mayor Wiley. I was just going to say second or the motion. Okay. Sorry. I don't think we'll have to use the microphones on the motion in a second, but otherwise it looks like questions to me. Sorry. Um, I'll, I'll get the hang of this thing right here. So we have a motion. And we have a second. All, all in favor? Aye. Aye. Any opposed? Motion passes. Thank you. Next on the agenda, we have item 9C, Mr. City Manager. 
Thank you, Mr. Mayor, members of the City Council. At your last uh, council meeting, uh, a request was made to bring back the commission appointment policy for the council's discussion. Uh, we've done that, and our assistant city manager, George Ann Megersmith, is here to uh, provide that update for the council. Good evening, Mayor, Vice Mayor, members of the council. As city manager just mentioned, at the December 13th council meeting, council did request to have the commission appointment policy agendized for discussion. So tonight I'll provide a recap of the policy and hopefully answer any questions you might have. There are currently two city commissions that are active and included in the Vacaville Municipal Code, the Planning Commission and the Parks and Recreation Commission, formerly called the Community Services Commission. The appointment process is generally, um, very generally described in the municipal code, basically says members of the commission shall be appointed by the mayor with approval of the city council. And this process is established by the government, California government code and cannot be changed. So after the transition to bi-district elections, we heard from council members that you really wanted to be more involved in the commissioner selection process, along with having district representation on the commissions and increased transparency. At the November 9th, 2021 council meeting, staff provided some potem potential options for a commission appointment policy that address some of your concerns. Staff incorporated your feedback and council did approve the commission appointment policy at the December 14th, 2021 council meeting. The overarching goal of the policy is that commissioners shall be appointed to staggered terms on a bi-district basis such that the council member from each district and the at-large mayor shall each have a representative appointed from the pool of applicants nominated by the individual council member or mayor. That's a mouthful. A quick review of the process, which starts with the, with the posting of the appointments list that includes all regular and ongoing commissions whose members are appointed by the city council. The appointment list is posted on or before December 31st each year and is posted at city hall, on the city website, and copies are also made available to the public. The application process is open for at least 30 days and applicants are required to complete a separate application for each commission they'd like to serve on. Commission seeking reappointment must also complete and submit an application. All members of the council receive all qualified applications. Uh, the mayor nominating council members and commission staff liaison will review the applications and may schedule or waive interviews. After the pre-screening, the nominating council member will recommend up to three applicants from their district when possible to move forward in the process. In the event that the council member determines that there is no qualified applicant within their district, that council member may recommend qualified applicants from other districts. The mayor will recommend up to three applicants that reside anywhere in the city. To ensure the process is transparent, applications of the recommended candidates will be provided to the city council and made part of the agenda for review, interview, and consideration at a properly noticed council meeting that is open to the public. After such review and consideration, the mayor will appoint one member of the applicant pool nominated by each nominating council member. And that appointment then requires a majority of the vote, a majority vote of the council present. As for the timing of the appointment process, all commission appointments and reappointments will be made by the mayor at a city council meeting no later than the first meeting in March of each year. And that is because the planning commissioner academy is in, is in March, later in March of each year as well. So we wanna make sure that those new commissioners can attend that. The term of office for, for members of the planning commission and parks and recreation commission is two years. The terms are staggered intentionally so that there's always some experienced members on the commissions. And the chart you see here outlines the current terms by district. 
There had also previously been some discussion about term limits. Term limits are not included as part of the policy. In an earlier slide, I mentioned that incumbents are required to reapply, and that process allows council members to make the decision to reappoint or not uh, based on the needs of the commission, the district, and the city. If a vacancy occurs after less than six months of a term, the selection process begins from the applications that we already have on file. And if a vacancy occurs after more than six months of a term, the vacancy will be posted in the application and nomination process kind of starts again from the beginning. At the December 13th council meeting, a question came up about the process to remove commissioners. So while the removal of commissioners is not addressed in the commission appointment policy, the Vacaville Municipal Code does state that a member of a commission can't, may be removed at any time by majority vote of the council. Um, so really you have two, let me back up just one second. So you really have two ways to uh, remove a commissioner should you wish to, and that would be either by through vote of the council or by not reappointing them at the end of a term. So there is no recommendation. The item is informational only, so no actions required. And I am happy to answer any questions or take any comments you might have. Thank you. Uh, there, there are some questions up here. So council member Stockton. Yes, I'd like to thank staff for bringing this back. The, the reason why I requested that this come back is I think we're all learning with districts how important representation is and being on the same page. Um, recently, we've, um, we're, we're learning a lot about SB 330 as well, and the fact that we're limited on some of the meetings and the amount of meetings that we're allowed to have on certain topics. And so, um, although I think where we move to is progress, um, I do think that, you know, we have some new folks that were just appointed, and, and basically what I'm getting at is I think that you know, we run an election in November, by December, new council members are sworn in every four years. Um, they have three months and they may want, they may have ran because they wanted to move in a different direction and they want some sort of consistency of vision on these commissions when we have limited amounts of meetings on certain things. And so I brought this up for discussion because um, although, um, you know, I think my commissioners are doing a fantastic job as, as are many others, um, I wanted to know what some of our new council members as well as existing council members think about just changing the staggering, not necessarily making it a yearly appointment, but coinciding the overlap with the same election cycle as the, the offices that are just reassigned so that there's more accountability and consistency of vision. Thank you, council member Stockton. Uh, council member Roberts. Yeah, no, uh, Council Member Sock and I were big proponents going to by district uh, appointments for the commissioners. Um, I, I agree with a lot of, like what you said regarding the staggering. Uh, the only issue we may run into with that is if we do it in line with elections and we keep the two year appointments, because right now they're currently two years. We, we only had one year just to keep them staggered. But if we do change to every two years, then they won't, they'll no longer be staggered because every two years there's election. So if we reappoint for two years, we'd have to, all the council members would be reappointing every two years, uh, unless we move to a four year appointment term where they're appointed for a full four years like us. Um, yeah, the, I know the big thing is keep them staggered like in off years. That way you're not turning over an entire commission or potentially with each round of voting, uh, which is one of the big things is we know what the learning curve is, is there's five of the seven of us are brand new and 
yeah, it's a big learning curve at the beginning. I think that's what the staff is trying to avoid with that. Um, but yeah, I'm open to suggestions and seeing how it can go. Cause I know when we first did this is yeah, work in progress and see how it works out. And if we need to make changes or adjustments, uh, make them as necessary. Councilmember Chapman. Thank you. Um, in reading the document, um, person I think it's well written. I think it covers uh, the need of um, of uh, making certain that we are we have individuals representing each district on the planning commission. My um, as a new council member. I, I'm not concerned about appointing someone specifically for District 4. However, I'm more interested in the process when we uh, solicit applicants to apply to be on the com various commissions. We want it to be representative of the district, I mean, of the city, the commissions, whatever we're soliciting for. And when we when we receive those applications, we look for quality. Quality. We look for people that may even bring uh, and uh, uh, their expertise, or you know, already uh, have the knowledge base, and they are interested in getting involved in city government, city affairs. Um, we have some people that are leery about signing, submitting their application for fear of the unknown. And then it's up to us to encourage them. You know, when we look at these applications come in, what criteria are we using when we go through it, when we begin to eliminate applications? What is that criteria that we're looking for? Um, I believe the mayor and the council representative, uh, I think it was mentioned in the presentation who would be involved in that, in that review per se. So I'm not, um, and even if, District 4 may not even have anyone to apply. I'm happy to know that it's open where we can select from any, a, a resident from any place, anywhere in the district. So, you know, this sounds like a very fair process. And, you know, we want the cream of the crop. We, we want the top of the, of the, of the, yeah, we want the cream. So, uh, I'm, I don't, I don't have an issue with uh, or a desire to have to appoint the individual representing uh, District 4 because I think they represent the entire city. And Councilmember Roberts. I do have a question for Georgianne regarding this. Um, I know it's not listed in here, but as I recall in the applications from last time went through this, there's a box they can check to keep their applications on file for future commission appointments. Are they gonna be reconsidered for like for now, since Councilmember Stockton, Silva, and myself are going to have to reappoint here in the next couple months, can we dive back in those previous applicants because there, there was a checkbox for future application? Um, I uh, think future commission openings. Sure, I think based on the policy right now, everyone has to reapply, so we would not go back to any okay. um, applications from previous. That, that uh, just in case something else opened up or if somebody resigned or we removed them from it, they can be reconsidered then, possibly. Um, 
So or maybe just remove that checkbox off of that. Right, we might need to remove the checkbox from the form. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Councilmember Ritchie. Um, so I really appreciate it. And uh, obviously it's, it's a conversation that we're having. Um, you know, I, I think the full explanation of the way the, the process goes, make sure we have continuity and kind of we conform to having a certain portion of council members, certain portion of personal regs, certain portion of commissioners that have that continuity that they're able to kind of have new with the old and have that, that uniform system. Um, I think those written pretty clear. And I think we should proceed forward as is. Uh, I appreciate um, the concerns, but I think the main scope, it kind of touches on what Sarah said, the main scope is to make sure that the best candidates come forward to represent the city. Um, if I if I were to resign tomorrow, I would feel confident that my count, my commissioners um, have the best interests of the city regardless of my opinions, input, or data to them. So I just feel make sure we make the right decision with appointing them, that therefore they can be mutually exclusive for myself to have the best interest of Vacaville, not my preferred interests, desires, or, or kind of vision. I think if we make it shorter, they're always going to be running. They're always going to be kind of find a way to appease and be reappointed again. I want them to kind of run on their own and serve the city um, without having to worry about trying to make us feel good to reappoint them. But I think the time frame and the fact that as a new council member, you had that one year of like, hey, your first year, you don't get a chance to appoint. It gives that little bit, we settle in our place and allows to make that decision um, with a little bit of kind of a wind beneath our sails. I, I think the system's kind of set up pretty good right now. <clears throat> Thank you. Councilmember Stockton. Yeah, just to respond, um, I think that's great because you have confidence in your in your folks, but you got to pick them. The only I'm, I'm not suggesting that we change the process of selecting who we recommend or nominate for the best interest of the city. But I what I'm suggesting is that you have that opportunity to choose one of those people. The way that this used to work in the past is the mayor would pick them all and we would ratify. And it was, a, a, I want to say, unanimous decision um, that, that we discussed about moving towards district representation to make sure that each of us are able to pick that, that candidate that we think represents the folks in our district um, or within the city the best so that each of us get a say in that. Not to say that Mayor Carley wouldn't pick incredible people, right? But I think that it's it, moving towards district and having fair representation is I think it's a good process. Um, I guess the reason why I would bring this back up is clearly we're at an advantage. We got to select our folks to represent our districts. We have some new folks that have not. Now, they may have great relationships with the people that are currently sitting, but when we create policy, it's always to move forward. And sometimes the folks that, that win an election um, have a different vision of what they think is best for Vacaville or best for their district, hopefully both. And um, the way that it is right now, um, you could potentially have somebody that you're at odds with on issues that are SB 330 qualified and you only have a certain number of meetings. And so I think it's kind of a, um, it just seems like a natural progression towards, um, towards that representation that we're looking for and accountability as well to have um, folks 
after they're elected to be able to choose who they would like to represent them or the city and or board. So that, that's the only reason why I brought this back, um, but I'm comfortable with whatever the, the council decides. Thank you, Vice Mayor Wiley. Uh, I really appreciate going over the guidelines and I feel like it's great that they're very specific, specifically the one about if there's a vacancy because someone has to leave or move or whatever, that it's very clear. If it's less than six months, we go with who we had apply. If it's more than six months or six months and one week, we start again. So I, I really appreciate that language being in. I recall a checkbox being on the application that said, if you are not selected commissioner, do you wish to help in another way? And I really want that checkbox to stay on there. So by having it by district, it really opens up the field a lot because there are a bunch of people applying for both commissions in each area. So when we did it last, you know, there were probably 12 people for both positions or eight that I talked to, people I didn't know, people that were in the area. Um, so I think it's really great to have a lot of people involved and then it's incumbent on us and the city to say, here's a person who might help with this and find a place where they can help. If there's someone that wants to serve, we there's plenty of help that we could use. So I think that's a great, uh, a great way to find people that are interested. And just for this commission, I had several people reach out to me and said, I'm interested in being on the commission and I said, you know, the commissioners for District 6 are set, but go ahead and apply and you could be selected by someone else that doesn't have uh, someone applying or by the mayor. And even if you're not selected, you know, you might be in the next round or you might be available. So I feel like it's really important for us to get more people involved, more people at city council meetings. And this is a great way to do that. So. I feel like um, it's specific and a good policy to put forward. Thank you. Um, just a couple of comments and I might end up with a question for you, staff. This was the first time that, it, that this operation has worked with this new policy, correct? Correct. Because we didn't have district before. I certainly as a former employee that I saw the transition. So the the attempt to create a policy to address a greater, um, we'll call it a greater input from the greater, the entire body of the council versus it just being the mayor seems to be from my perspective achieved in this. Uh, some comments from what I can see, I can see so many different angles and sides to this. I would imagine uh, staff, it would be very difficult if every mission turned over every year. Um, because it would take you a long time just to get up to speed. And so I appreciate the, the tenure and some people might be extended and maybe that's what we, we see in the future. And, uh, and unless and until we see some real negative implications, it seems like policy in its first iteration seems to be working. Um, it does raise some questions. And one of the things that I would just um, reflect on for the, the council, these are my thoughts, I'm not trying to put words into how you feel about it, but they're our commissioner. So it is easy to, to look at this and say, it's like my commissioner, my representation, but I appreciate what you said. They're ours and we need to be making those selections with the best interest of, of the city and of the community and staff, because they are representing the work that we're expecting them to do. And so if we do have a, a challenge or a problem, 
there is a there's a mechanism for removal looks like this council at any time any two weeks could say this is not working and it could be brought up as a council agenda item and acted upon so there it's good to see that there's a mechanism if something's not working um there are there are definitely some robust reasons why i mean we all have to to fill out an application process and they do too so they have to be transparent in their representation so if they're our commissioners it's just the i would say if it's your district that you're making the recommendation it's your privilege it's a privilege to be able to do it as an elected body to be putting forward who you believe would represent the overall city the best and as all of us it would be in our best interest to be working with the commissions to help ensure that they know what our vision is and i know mr city manager that's going to come back i think i heard that in the last discussion that we will have you know there's many different ways how do we ensure that our commissions understand our intent and uh, and i i believe that the future of that might be joint sessions so that there is there's no um, there's no separation between this council and our commission to do our work so i'm not sure mr city manager if you had any comment on that but that's coming in in the spring that uh, potentially is coming from that's the, what the intent is to bring that uh, once we've completed the council goal setting session and priorities and had you know a few conversations about measure m and, and the budget and then once we have the council's you know objectives going forward for this year it seems prudent to go ahead and bring the commissions in to meet with council and and have that shared with them and, and the expectations going forward so that's yeah. that's kind of the vision thank you and with that i'm going to open this up to the public if anyone wants to comment on this hi so i appreciate what uh councilman Roy Stockton is saying, and I think what he's trying to say, and tell me if I'm wrong, is so you're districted because the whole point is it was to improve and to ensure you know, the chances of, um, of someone representing the area that you live in, hopefully someone that's diverse, and you would have more diversity on the board. So this is why we have, this is why there's so many lawsuits across the state about have, having to have a districted election rather than an at-large election. So if, if the district representation is supposed to increase the chances of improving diversity along the council board, we will want that along the planning commission. So it kind of makes sense. It makes sense to what he's saying is whoever the planning commission person is, I mean, that person is there's some kind of nexus with the council member in a particular district. So I would hope that when a council member is going to look at the applications, they would look and assess the applicants that are coming from their district. Um, and that, that's what makes sense to me. And then you would only go outside of that if in fact the, the population of applicants in your district they're just simply not qualified otherwise we're going to have planning commissions where there is no diversity and they're all coming from district one or district two so let me know if i'm missing something but i understand what what council member stockton is saying and i don't know if you want to did i understand you completely but i i would agree that there should be some you know the planning commissioner 
should have some representation that is similar to that of the council members. So if it's District 4 council member, hopefully you're looking very closely at District 4 applicants for planning commission and only go outside that pool if they're simply not qualified. So am I missing something? Yeah, because it that's, I want to just well, if that's your case. Improve yes. the diversity of the planning commission too, and have some alignment with with the diversity on council. I think I understand. If I understand your question, then can you can you comment on that? I believe you did in your presentation that uh, there is a mechanism. If you don't believe there's any qualified person, then the between the mayor, the district that's represented, and whether the appointed staff makes a determination and goes outside the district simply sure. to select it, but typically it starts within the district. Right. Um, great question. So yes, I mean, the goal is that council, council members would be looking at applicants from their district and looking to represent a district um, resident as the commissioner, but should there not be someone that's qualified, then they could certainly go without go outside of the district and choose someone from a different area of the city. Great. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Sean, District 5. Thank you, Mr. Roberts. Mr. Roberts. Uh, I just wanted to express my appreciation for what Councilman Stockton's saying. It's kind of what I'm here for all the time, just to look for the things that, that best reflect the community. And I think that Councilman Stockton's idea is stellar. That's the kind of thing that I hope to see more of. Thank you. Thank you. Seeing no one else, I'll bring it back to the council. And uh, council member Stockton. So I just wanted to answer Ms. Minion's question. I, I agree with that assessment. I think the only change that I'm looking at is aligning it with our, with our district elections uh, as one more way of having transparency and accountability and continuity. Um, initially, I will say, um, I, I was hoping to have uh, the appointments uh, every year and part of that um, in the beginning was because uh, before the last selection of, of the different commissions, I had like four on one commission from District 1 and three or four from the other. I mean, I pretty much had a majority of, of folks from District 1 that represented them. And um, having those additional, being able to appoint somebody every year would allow me to maybe diversify even more and add a new person each year and give it fresh perspective. And so I'm not afraid of a fresh perspective. But I think, I mean, we just talked about the police department. We talk about transparency and accountability over and over and over again. And I think that people run for city council for different reasons and clearly have different um, visions for what they'd like their district and the city to be. Um, this provides that council. This is simply a shift in the uh, timeline of who's picking who at what year at what time. I respect uh, uh, council member Roberts's comment as well where what I would say to that, though, is although that is possible, I think it would be improbable. I think we get um, when we find someone good, we tend to hold on to them. I don't think we'll replace them every year. I would hope not. Um, but that's the reason why I brought it up. Um, but I, I don't think there's anything else with this process right now that I'm that I'm ready to do. I, I, I think the two year commitments are enough people. Um, uh, I think that's 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 a good timeline. I just wanted to shift it to to go with that. But uh, think there's more comments. Councilmember Silva. Yeah, um, kind of torn on the issue, but I just want to, I think um, Councilmember uh, 
Chapman mentioned about more interested in the process. I think, well, just one of the frustrations that I have uh, that I know other commissioners have is uh, when do we have this joint meeting? When do we when do we uh, come together to start hashing out a little bit more direction? So I think in large, it's ultimately incumbent upon the council to set direction. Um, there's processes to change that. Uh, I know certain, you know, I, I know that, you know, even with me coming on council, there was a lot of concerns about uh, how much change is going to happen, not just from one in individual, but a council as a whole. So I, I know that there's benefit to continuity. I know, um, and at the same time, sometimes we, you know, we're all looking for something to change. But I think that's ultimately a coming uh, based on the represent representation that the people elected. Uh, it doesn't sound like most of the councils wants to change that, and I, I respect that. Um, but I think, uh, for me personally, I, I think I can better answer the question that you pose uh, once we meet jointly to actually uh, better understand and direct uh, the process goal purpose more um, direction towards certain commissioners that are looking for that. And then I think from that we have a we have a system in place that then maybe it's something that council council members may have a different opinion on. I'll tell you. Vice Mayor Weiler. According to the table, the way we are staggering it, and there are only one-year terms or two-year terms, whereas the council term is four years. So the people that aren't selecting a commissioner now will be able to, you know, in two years. Is that correct? Oh, right. So it's not, so the people that were just elected will be able to select a commissioner, but it will just be later in their term. Correct. Right. Right. So that's what I just wanted to point out. It's not like you're missing the opportunity. You just don't have that opportunity now. Councilmember Chap. Thank you. A clarif clarification purposes uh, for what I stated earlier. I'm not, I, I did not intend to allude that I would not be seeking someone residing in District 4 to be on a member of the com commission um, uh, via member of the planning commission, I followed that up with in the event that no one applied, there was no applications from an individual, I would be ab able to look beyond district four since they represent the entire city. So that's what I was saying. And uh, to, uh, to add to that, the individual that's on the planning commission right now that resides in district four, contacted me while I was campaigning to introduce himself. And we met and had tea. Very knowledgeable individual, uh, passionate, uh, want, to, uh, want to see good change uh, occur in the city. However, I will add this. He was uh, be uh, uh, receptive of having additional training. And when we were at the academy this week, there is training that they provide the League of Cities to your planning commissioners. And so um, so we talked about the challenges th that they have, the commissioners have, and had a very good session. So just wanted to put it out there. I, I'm gonna take look out for District 4. Yeah, thank you for those comments. I would just... Um... I'll just close and wrap this up because this requires no action, but you're really trying to understand what does this council want? Because that's the reason why it came back. There's pros and cons to just about anything we do in this arena. 
there's no doubt. Uh, I appreciate having um, experience and um, the staggered is fine. I completely um, appreciate as I sit here and listen, the, the fact that someone is newly elected, um, if the if there was a desire to make a change, the only change really is, is it's staff time because now you got to figure out how to reset this. It wouldn't affect anything that's that's happening right now because what we have is in motion. Is that correct? In other words, any change that the council, if they chose to make a decision tonight, wouldn't couldn't affect it because we already have this in motion for this appointment process. And, and, and so what we're really talking about is feedback for the future. Or do I have that wrong? So just to be technical, because that's what you asked me to do for you, is, is that if you wanted to do something different to this process, we'd have to bring that back to you because right. tonight it was just brought just a as a discussion item or informational item. Okay. That answers the question. So this helps us have the public conversation. My preference, if this really were in the future, would be if somebody is elected, cycle it. For me, it would, my personal preference would cycle it with the election of that district. Uh, the notion that that you can't do something for a year if it's a newly elected person is if you have to get, in other words, if, if um, I mean, you're, you're in a position right now and you're making an appointment, but others are not. I mean, it wouldn't be a difficult thing to align it. And that way, if, if in, in one particular district, it aligns with it. So I can see the position of saying they're aligned with the districts. They have the privilege of making it. The downside is, is do you really know what you're looking for? That's the, that's the challenge of it. So I see the position and it comes with a, a contrary issue that comes with it. So I'm not, I'm not uh, suggesting we make any changes, uh, but I, I see the reason and the rationale. And I also see the, the challenge that come with it. And I also see the staff headache to try and reset anything like this. So it's just my comments and feedback, but. I appreciate the presentation and I see that uh, Councilmember Roberts has a comment. Yeah, somebody said, uh, Mayor, like, sparked something. My thoughts was um, I kind of do appreciate the being one year later than the election because I know now, I know, same as you, Councilmember, talking like the stuff I've learned over last year versus appointing directly when we got on, I might have chosen somebody different based on what I know how the city works. But we're getting reelected. Yeah, it's a little bit different, but yeah, we have a lot of new council members on here. I think having that knowledge of a year working with city and staff may have adjusted how I appointed somebody. So yeah, well, that really only affects somebody new, but I think have that year behind. And then really you're only having like, yeah, a year behind you. So three years to appoint somebody on your elected term. So I don't think it's the huge detriment. And it might let you talk to that commissioner that's been on there before you got there to be like, Hey, what are the troubles you're having? What are the issues you're having with the commission or working with the, the current structure? And so you might get better feedback from the person that's having that transition period of a year. And I was just going to say that was part of the, the rationale for having the staggered terms and having the commissioner or the council member being on the council for a year before having to make that selection, just to give them a little bit of time to settle in and understand more about the needs of the district and so forth. So there was a thought process. Absolutely. Council members talking. Well, I just wanted to thank council for their comments. I, I know this kind of came out of the blue the other the other day, but I, I do find some value in knowing that the two newly elected folks and reelected um, 
uh, lady at the inn um, are all comfortable with it being the way that it is because I although although you weren't here I do think that your opinion you know now matters a lot as it relates to how we move forward and making sure that that we really do have a good process and a good way to, to get good people on these so I'm glad we got it thanks for thinking about that. thank you appreciate the presentation and with that we'll move on to item 9d Mr. City Manager. Thank you, Mr. Mayor, members of the City Council. This item before you tonight is a continued discussion of the awarding of uh, ARPA funds for nonprofit organizations. We have Tamara Colden from our uh, Housing and Community Services Department, as well as Don Burris, our Economic Development Services Director, for a presentation tonight. Good evening, Mayor Carley, Vice Mayor Wiley, and Council members. Um, tonight, uh, we are continuing the discussion uh, surrounding the ARPA nonprofit grant uh, award funding. So tonight, Council is being asked to make awards of the remaining 757,000 and change of uh, ARPA American Rescue Plan Act funding uh, that was allocated to the nonprofit grant program. For a bit of background of how we got here tonight, the city received 15 applications from nonprofit applicants and asked in excess of $5.8 million in funding requests. And during the last council meeting, council awarded a total of $507,899 of the available $1.2 million and determined that a subcommittee would be formed to provide recommendations for awards for the remaining 757,000 in funding. Thank you to Vice Mayor Wiley and Council Member Chapman and Council Member Silva uh, for swiftly meeting to review uh, the remaining applications as part of the subcommittee for consideration of funding. As a result, the subcommittee is recommending awarding uh, $720,038 of the remaining funding to five of the nonprofit applicants. Uh, that listing is available in your packets as attachment three, and I do have that av available for review if needed tonight. $2,063 to support youth roundtable activities, as well as $35,000 for small business grant program. Good evening, Mayor, Council Members, Vice Mayor. Um, on September 27th, the uh, Council uh, did approve uh, $1 million of ARPA funding uh, for Small Business Grant Program. Um, we were able to uh, uh, garner seven, uh, excuse me, 304 applications uh, when we opened uh, the round on November 7th, that closed on December 2nd. Um, of those requests, uh, the range was $18 up to $25,000, which was the maximum amount of the grant. Um, businesses to receive the awards were selected by computer-generated um, random number selection process. And as you can see here on the chart, uh, again, 304 applications received, 128 of those applications were actually uh, eligible businesses. Uh, the total requests from those eligible businesses were uh, roughly 2.9 million. Uh, the applications that were selected were 40, um, again, from a random number generator. 
Uh, and then the funds uh, allocated to selected applicants, about 941,373. So we do have funds remaining of approximately 58,627. Um, <clears throat> if we were to um, uh, appropriate those uh, remaining funds with the 35,000, we could, uh, at a rate of $25,000, we could up, um, approximately fund four additional businesses. Uh, however, if we were to lower the uh, requested amount to less than 25,000, uh, we could uh, fund uh, more businesses. So tonight, uh, the subcommittee may share their recommendations uh, to the council for discussion and council is being asked to allocate the remaining funding. And with that, I'm happy to answer any questions that you may have. Thank you for the presentation. First of all, does uh, any member of the council wanna either ask a question or clearly there's gonna be comments about how this process worked and what your rationale was. So, council member Silver. Uh, just questions you're asking? Well, if you have questions for them first and then we'll the, bring it to a discussion. Can you reverse, uh, go back one slide to seven? Uh, that, I'm sorry, one more. Wait, hold up. Uh, there was a figure of 58, yeah, there it is. Funds remaining 58,000. Um, so the question is, does that include the recommendation from the subcommittee? Uh, no, it does not. Okay, just want to clarify. Uh, so I have no comments, but I'll just say with no other questions, let's just open up to council for a discussion. And uh, if you can, if one of you and the subcommittee want to start that off and help us understand your reason. Council member Silva. Or actually, Vice Mayor, did well, you want to? We have a scriber, and so I think you want to go ahead and I was just briefly going to say that, you know, the subcommittee met for over two hours and really discussed at length what the council had talked about the week before and looked at that and looked at the whole um, applications and talked about each of the, the ish, things that were brought up. So I felt like our subcommittee really did work hard to come up with a decision to present to you. So I wanted to let you know the work behind that. And one thing that was not on the recommendation for tonight was like the health education council. And we talked quite a bit about that, but the fact that four of the council members had said no funding at our previous meeting. So even though it had merit, we decided to go with no funding because that was seemed like the majority of the will of the council from that previous meeting. Um, but I just want to let you know, I felt like the subcommittee worked very hard and thought hard about what would be a good solution. And we felt like because there were so many people that had applied for the small business grant, that that would be a good thing to do with the excess. Um, and a lot of the ones that we had done were fully funded. We felt like the nonprofits would benefit from what we had uh, allotted to them. And so I thank council members Silva and Chapman for doing that as well. Thank you, council member Chapman. Thank you. Uh, could you go back uh, one slide at a time? I'm looking for the slide where we, uh, where the youth roundtable is mentioned and awarding them two thousand and something dollars. There, yes. Um, the subcommittee recommendation, the second one, second bullet. Yeah. 
stated, we did say we wanted the remaining money to go to the small business, uh, small business uh, rent, uh, small businesses. Bam. Okay, and then uh, that left the 2063. Um, when that was shared with me, uh, because we, uh, when they asked, how did I feel about that? And I said, well, I don't support it. And the reason being is I support the Youth Roundtable here in Vacaville. I was part of its inception way back many years ago. I know of the good, uh, and I will I support it 100% today. I'm just aware that a couple of the council members had mentioned the desire to um, do more or bring back the Youth Roundtable. Yet as a council, we did not, had not stated how we wanted to move forward with that, with the Youth Roundtable. What would it look like? Uh, so there had just been hits uh, at, at the mention of the Youth Roundtable. So I felt that the assignment that we had received was to go meet as three and discuss the allocation based upon the information we had worked with the week before. The Youth Roundtable was not part of that. An application hadn't been submitted from them. And so that's why I said, no, I'm sorry, because that was not part of the discussion that had been held by the council as a whole. Yet, keep in mind, I'm stating it, I support the Youth Roundtable, I will be the representative, whatever you want, when you, when, if we decide, to bring it back full-fledged and make it a meaningful, okay? Thank you, Councilmember Silva. Yes, um, uh, thank you, and just to echo what Dr. Uh, sorry, Councilwoman Chapman uh, was uh, saying, I, I think, um, you know, this is for everybody, you know, predominantly here on, on council and for the public, since you guys are listening. Um, it's so, I think uh, it's okay to, uh, you explained it much, you know, better than I'm going to right now. But essentially, it, it's okay to to um, still support something, but not, but kind of keep this bigger picture in mind. So I definitely respect uh, you you taking that approach there. Um, so just uh, some reflection, I'll, and I'll share this for council for consideration. Um, so I had some conversations with uh, you know certain business owners for quite a while now since since COVID hit, and. Uh, so the way I'm looking at this is we have 128 eligible verified uh, businesses. So number one, I want to thank all the staff that was involved in filtering through to the 304 applicants um, and whittling it down to those uh, who, you know, completed completed it and uh, valid verified that they're actually eligible. Um, for me, uh, I think one of the things that uh, I, I don't know, one of the things I didn't think we really appreciated the demand that was going to come from small businesses. And I think a lot of that was reflective based on the interest when the CARES Act, the first round of funding came out. Um, that said, I did hear several businesses that had opened up that first year that didn't qualify um, based on the stipulations that didn't apply. So I do appreciate uh, staff and council coming, uh, you know, allowing this to proceed forward to see how we disperse the rest of the ARPA funds. Uh, ARPA funds by debt rule. I know there's uh, all these are eligible expenses or allocations. And I think one of the things that, uh, that what I get a, a general sense from talking to a lot of small businesses is that 
uh, you know, they did the right thing. You know, the, the if if the state or, or if the state required them to shut down, they shut down. If they recommended them to work within these guidelines, they did their best to accommodate that. Um, and these are businesses that you know, uh, you know, there's different approaches that different folks took um, to to survive. And so a lot of that I take to to a lot of heart. Um, and those businesses that those business owners that express that, I feel that's probably reflective of um, all of those businesses that were negatively impacted. So um, it's kind of, you know, I'm, I'm definitely not recommend we go back and see how we reallocate funding, uh, but I would suggest for each council member to consider. Uh, so we've selected 40 businesses. Each of those are gonna get 25,000 um, allocated. The difference of those I believe is 88 businesses. So that's 128 minus 40. Uh, 88 businesses uh, cr currently um, are eligible. So they've proven and our staff have verified that they actually were negatively impacted by, by COVID. Uh, one thought that I had was let's uh, in, with any un, with these recommended uh, recommended funds the fifty eight thousand six twenty seven and then the thirty five that the subcommittee was recommending to allocate to the small business grant uh, that's a total of ninety three thousand six hundred twenty seven um, so the the question is do we just want to straight up divide that evenly so each business in itself would get one thousand sixty three dollars and ninety four cents each. Uh, and then as additional ARPA funds are unspent and need to be allocated, we then take that and disperse it to like whatever the check would be. Hopefully it's more than like three cents. Um, and so um, uh, just to let the businesses know that the city uh, is is doing their best to look out for them. Um, I don't think there's, you know, just how we were talking about uh, for the previous item, you know, there's good, you know, there's positive and negative to every approaches. Uh, I think the approach that we did uh, with the information that we had based on the, the data that we had uh, was completely fair. I think uh, moving forward, either we divide it evenly to make sure all businesses get something. It may not be exactly what they lost. Um, it won't be uh, what many of them lost or were negatively impacted, but it lets them know that, hey, we're looking out for them. Um, the other side of that, if we're trying to make something more substantial, the substantial but extended out, maybe we can allocate 5,000. But the way I'm feeling right now, we just divide it up evenly so that way all the ones eligible get some. Thank you, Council Member Ritchie. I think it's much, um, Councilman Silva, I was in. I first wanted to really thank the staff. I mean, going through all the process of this application must have been tough. Um, <clears throat> When it comes to the 35,000, you know, I kind of had the same theory of Councilman Silva, you know, it's, I would like to see a way to kind of recast the money. You know, I'm a small business owner myself and I was not one of the applications. So just full transparency, people will check. Um, so I didn't bother applying the way, and, uh, but I understand the pain and suffering and for everyone that did apply, I understand why they did, it was tough and it's still tough and it's like a lagging. You know, I, I don't want the amounts given to be so small. It's like, gee, thanks. But I, I do know if we could reduce that number from 35 to maybe 15 or 20, it's the all those rise theory. I mean, it's it's going to be hard to save everybody, but if we can help more of the businesses, it, it's going to create a better wealth to the small business community if we can find a way to support more small businesses. But I mean, really, I think the city, we, we can find money to do other things, educate, like education and teaching financial literacy and ways that we can do classes on how we can kind of get small business together, do workshops. Like what are tools and resources that are available for small businesses that maybe they don't have access to? And I think access is one of the hardest things. It's amazing what's out there, but if you don't know, you don't know. 
And I think it's it's a shame um, running a small business in this community since I got back. It, it's it's amazing what you learn. And sometimes for what you arrived, it's it's always there, but it's kind of like, oh, you found out, right? You found out how to get to this resource or funding or grant program. Um, I wish certain things were made available in neon lights that it's, it's not like, oh, I don't know how you found this program, but now you found it, hey, here you go. I, I think just providing a, a more broader stroke of education, you know, it's like teaching fishermen, you teach someone to fish and they can catch fish forever, but you give someone a fish that they, they have a meal for the day. Uh, we, we need to make sure small business community has access to information to know how to go forward and go for grants, go for certain funding, how to set up the process to be more fiscally responsible and plan for the problems because they're always going to happen. So I think giving the money now is great. This makes us all feel good. Like we go home and do something right, but we really, really have to make sure we empower small businesses to know what resources are available. After the fact, it really sucks to find out I could have got this, could have got that. I think a lot of people realize that the desperation that COVID caused, like, oh shoot, if I would have known this previously, I would have done this in my business. So yes, we should. I think we should divide the money, maybe go 15,000 or 20,000. But with that, we, should, we need to make sure that we really want to empower small businesses, empower the growth of biotech. We got to make sure that both the big business come to back of both, but we really support the small business at the same time. So we got to you know, take accountability with the city of Vacaville, permanently in our mouth is we support small business. So we really need to make sure that we provide a, a way to educate them to know that here's resources, guys. If you don't access it, that's on you, but we're going to do as hard as we can to make sure you understand where to go, how to structure a business, taxes, what benefits can you do, how to push stuff towards your, your future. I mean, it's, we win. The better they do, the more tax revenue we get. So it's kind of like, it's our best interest to make it profitable, make sure they, they succeed. But I think that's something that, like, give money, total spend it. Expenses are always are there. We got, we got to find a way to really empower and educate. Vice Mayor Wiley. I have two questions. It seemed like there were a large number of businesses that didn't qualify. Was there, like, some reason that they didn't qualify? Or I know that there's probably several ones, but what would be the main reason that people didn't qualify? Uh, thank you for the question, uh, Council Member. Um, so um, incomplete applications uh, could be one of the reasons why they didn't qualify, uh, leaving out important docu documents like tax forms, uh, W-9 forms, um, for very simple things like they, they didn't sign the document or, um, or there may have been uh, conflicting information, we actually did take the extra step, which is why the process took so long, to reach out to those applicants to say, hey, your application's almost complete, you're missing a little bit of information, or you didn't sign these particular documents, and we didn't want that be a reason for you to be disqualified. So the applicants that were generally disqualified may have just not completed the application process at all. Um, many of them had started and then just stopped. Uh, so no documents were submitted. So how many, I'm glad that you did follow up. How many of them came and resolved their issues? Like half of them or not many? Or? Um, actually, there weren't that many that, that had unresolved issues. Um, just 
just anecdotally, I think there might not have been more than five or 10 applications that actually needed us to reach out and um, make more modifications to their application. Okay, and then my second question is, um, does the application or would receiving this money have any sort of restrictions to continuing operating for a certain amount of time or not, you know, taking the money and then closing their business? Um, yes, they are required to stay in operations and for more, how long? Um, you know, that's a good question because honestly, it that's in our agreement that actually is in the attorney's office still right okay. now. So off the top of my head, I, I don't recall how long, but we do ask that that they have to demonstrate that they're going to continue to be in operations or one of the things, uh, if they were to take the money and close, then we would ask for the funds back. And then it was kind of interesting that you had the range of applications from $18 to, you know, <laughs> a lot. But um, so I would be in favor of entertaining an idea to go from maybe 25000 to twenty, but I don't think we should go 25000 to 5000 because even though you're helping more businesses, they can't do much effectively with a small amount of money. And we do want it to make an impact. That's what the ARPA funds were for. So I just, that's my personal feeling. I, you know, we can look and see what they ask for. We're not gonna give them more than they ask for necessarily, but not necessarily go everyone down to, you know, 2000 or something. Thank you. I have a couple questions and so on the, um... For some of us, it was before our time, so the previous council worked towards this and directed staff. The funds have not been dispersed, but the the percentage of fifty-eight thousand has not been allocated, and so this would this would bring it up to ninety-three thousand and some change. Correct. Correct. Okay. And so, as a subcommittee, you looked at this and you made the rearrangement instead of it going to the HEC. It's why don't we further the support for our small businesses, such an impact, such a need, and it sounds like a good process. Um, I also, to the public, I don't wanna get lost that this tonight was really about allocating money for our nonprofits. And so we'll get back to that really quick, but this this is an injection, like a, this is injecting money from one concept for the, the nonprofits to the small businesses, certainly different dollar thresholds, which is a significantly different process. Um, I, I am going to at least share my thoughts, and that is the, and and I don't want to assume who, you know, where the, the $2,063 uh, came from. I know, Councilmember Silva, you you had a strong feelings about how we need to support our, our youth roundtable, and I wholeheartedly agree with you. One of the concerns I have with trying to fund the youth roundtable student activities uh, for the 2063. I think there's a lot of different ways to find money for that, but what we're trying to do is put this into an ARPA program that has to have a federal reporting and oversight. And so just as a matter of, of, of how this works, a question to staff, how do we allocate, even if it's a small amount, a project that was unasked for, for a roundtable that isn't operating right now and how complicated is it just to put that there in this asterisk versus we can always come back and find ways to support youth roundtable in other ways and not complicate this? Just a question. Certainly, and a good one. So um, we can certainly find $2,000 in the budget to, to you know, assist uh, the youth roundtable if that's the direction from the council. 
but I would also suggest that, you know, based on prior conversations that our finance directors had with council um, about uh, the use of ARPA funds, we have the ability to put those funds into city operations for critical services and things like that. And so, you know, up to, I think it was $10 million. So we have the ability to take this and, and put that. And in talking with the folks that administer the youth roundtable, that would be something that, you know, they could see going towards uh, their teen summit, which definitely has a, a positive impact for our youth community. Um, so, you know, I, I appreciate the, con, the, the, the context of the question. Um, I think either way we can make it work. Well, I, I fully support the youth roundtable and the funding for that. I just want to make sure what we're not doing is, is we're is a is a measure of gesture and support that we're putting it into a into an into this application process where there is no application. And now we have to then ask them to where we we can do that. Does that create a conflict because no one else got to do this and we're creating an application process that didn't exist? Fair question, and and again, I think the thing to remember is is that, um, and and I appreciate the council's desire to to stick to the process, but I will say to hopefully give you some some peace of mind is is that this process is defined by the council, and and so there are certain criteria that uh, the federal government put with ARPA, and there are reporting guidelines that we as staff will have to administer and report out and everything. But as long as at the end of the day, we can say that this money went to those eligible uses and went to that process and, and it's being spent the way it's expected to be spent. And then we can report back on, you know, how it was done to uh, future auditing. Um, we should be fine. Yep. Thanks for the answer uh, on that. I know that there's more conversation on the dais, uh, but what I do, what I would like to do also uh, is just Vice Mayor Wiley, I appreciate the idea. If it needs to be lowered, I'm in support of it, but not so low that it doesn't, it's not effective. A small amount just to say we helped everyone doesn't necessarily, because some some of the projects, I'm a, I don't wanna assume, there's structure behind what they're gonna do with it. And so it's like, well, that doesn't quite meet it. And I'm, I'm trusting that staff vetted that. And so if there was a mechanism to say, is there a lower reduced amount that, that offers a greater um, support, whether it's, you know, 10, 15,000 or whatever it is. I'm in support of that so that we can help more businesses so it doesn't have to be a, you know, just that huge amount. So that's just my position on it. But um, the other question I would ask, since this is about this whole process, um, is do you have the ability to show from a subcommittee the net results of what would be provided to the nonprofits that we submitted to the subcommittee? Because I know that there was there was um, a slide shown at the end of the last council meeting. Yes, thank you very much. And so the subcommittee made the following recommendations. Can you go over that for the public? So the subcommittee recommended for Visit Vacaville awarding $102,000 for the Vacaville United Soccer Club, $102,000 for programs and scholarships only. Uh, for Vacaville Powell, they did recommend $216,038. Uh, as discussed before, there was not a recommendation made for a health education council. Uh, for Boys and Girls Club, the recommendation is for $200,000 to be used for programs. Uh, and then with the Vacaville Ballet Company, uh, $100,000 
uh, to fund their application. And then we also have the 35,000 for the small business grants and the remainder for youth roundtable activities. And that brings us to the total that was available of $757,101. Thank you for that. That uh, and with that, uh, Councilmember Silva. Yeah, I just uh, wanted to comment uh, quick. Um, so just uh, I appreciate the comments on a larger amount versus a smaller amount. Uh, the way I kind of see it is like if you're the 128th business out of the 128 that doesn't get a cut, then you're like, dang, like I was eligible, but I didn't get anything. I didn't get anything. So the conversations I've had with uh, small business owners, like. Is this like just something would be helpful? Something would be helpful. And I think the larger part of that is how do we continue to build trust between our local governing uh, bodies, uh, the city, uh, the council as representatives of, of, of that or that bridge uh, between that and our, our small our small businesses. Uh, I, I think that's where my, my um, thought process is on that uh, for consideration as well. So the other points, just real quick, um, uh, so sorry to be rude when we were, had a little side conversation. Um, and, side uh, conversations. Uh, <laughs> uh, huh? Well, I'm still. Uh, I am not going to point fingers, it. but I'll point it to We're nowhere near a motion because I'm going to open this up to the public. Right. So uh, the youth roundtable. I, I think if we want, um, I think we can just add that. My suggestion was to add that to the small business grant pool or pool of funds, um, and then uh, council. Uh, <laughs> Council members can consider um, donating for that. So I'll commit to donating um, to help support the the youth summit. Um, and then I know others may be interested as well. So uh, it's not like that won't will help have, gladly help get that funded. Uh, just quick comment about HEC. Um, so HEC Health Education Council. That's something that the the City Council um, uh, several months ago unanimously approved to bring on. Um, and one of the things the subcommittee was looking at is, is uh, the support or lack of support uh, and the depth of support for that. Uh, and then we had different discussions, which I won't get into um, for time purposes. Um, but essentially, um, the, what, the, the whole purpose of the Health Education Council is to come in, collect data, and to ultimately help form uh, a body that in itself uh, will help um, help uh, none of, what's the right word um, about it this this health education council is supposed to come in and help identify uh, local neighborhood leaders uh, to unify them and to help uh, provide or serve as a resource between our local city governing bodies and other other agencies of how to best serve their needs and um, the needs that they've identified within their study and that's represented by I uh, with maybe a, uh, a neighborhood association. So the benefit of having some form of organized uh, community within the neighborhood allows us to actually tap into our, our ability to better communicate, something that's one of our priorities, um, to how do we better engage uh, our, our community members. So that in itself, um, as we continue to, uh, I guess, uh, explore this, these options throughout our city, uh, in many ways that can help us deliver information, receive information on how we best serve our residents. So the whole goal of the HEC is really how do we help, how do we help those, um, and for their particular focus is within the Markham area, how do we help those that are seeking to improve their quality of life and improve our city? Uh, how, do we, how do we give them the tools to do that? So um, 
All right, uh, so the subcommittee ultimately recommended not, not uh, allocating funds for different reasons, um, but it's something that you know, I, I respect and it's something that we've got to continue to build and work towards, so that's all. It seems like it's a, probably a great program, but it just, a report's coming. Good, not surprising. Vice Mayor Wiley. Thank you. I want to give a little bit more clarification to our subcommittee meeting and how we arrived at this small business grant from the nonprofits. So when we met for those two hours, a lot of what we talked about was how we could help youth and the groups. So we came up with um, having vouchers to be that groups could use, like the dance group, the school rock group, the other groups, vouchers to use at the VPAT so that they could perform and then they would not be have to expend that $5,000 or whatever. So we came up with that discussion and um, that's where the 35,000 came from. And then it, we were reminded after we turned this in by city staff that there was already grant funding from the arts for VPAT to have programs and give them vouchers for the nonprofits and other youth groups that are performing. So since that money was what, 150,000? That 150,000 has not been expended rather than just add this 35,000 to 150,000 that's already there. What did we think we would, what else could we use if we, since that money was already at VPAT? So that's why we came up with thinking, oh, well, small business grants, because we talked about the fact that there were so many small businesses that weren't funded and that we had, sort of, we thought, met the needs of the council and the nonprofits based on this information from the meeting before. Um, so then when I was writing it up and we did have discussion about the youth round table and needing money, but when I was writing it up, we said, you know, seven grants at 5,000 and rather than divide it up and have, you know, the extra 2,000 divided five ways, I just thought it was easy to say we had talked and two of us had agreed, it wasn't unanimous, but two of us had agreed that this youth round table would be a good way to use the other 2,000. So that's how that came about. And I felt comfortable doing that because I knew the three of us were not making a decision. What we were doing was writing up something to bring back to the council for discussion. So I just want you to know nonprofits were our focus since nonprofits already had the funding for the VPAT that's what we decided to do with it, if that's a missing piece. Well, thank you for that. And uh, um, Councilmember Ritchie, and then we're gonna go to the public. Thank you so much. I, I appreciate the comments from um, Councilmember Wiley. I can't talk that long right now, anyways, but I, I, yeah, I, could, I could barely make two minutes. Um, you know, when it comes, we have a little side conversation in regards to just the money. I said before, like from the dais, you know, you know, I want to do whatever I can to make sure we protect the youth and and the elderly in our community. And I had one comment I was going to do for my council comments later, and even to making sure that there's certain departments we have the police department. I was going to actually ask to make my comments. It's really passionate to me to make sure that certain departments are fully funded, equipped, and able to make sure that we can protect our youth and our kids. Make sure like no, no sex traffickers, no pedophiles, no people. Like if you're tracking people and like you don't have the resources to make sure that they're in our community, like that's a big problem to me. And so youth roundtable, HEC, all these things, I think it's, it's very important to, to make sure that we focus on our youth because they're the future. I, I was 
I'm willing to take a portion of my district dollars and, and rent out the space that you guys find a way to have a town hall study session and use those funds. Hey, let's come together, let's see the ideas on the table, and let's figure out what we can do and how we can empower these groups to get formed. When it comes to small business grants, I, mean, I would like to make sure, I don't know how much staff time it takes, but there's gotta be a way that this can be not just a one thing, ARPA, but we can have a grant program for forever. Like all, all developers come in, big business come in. Hey, how can we help the city? What can we do to benefit the city? This is one of the things they can do. If we formed a, a small business grant that's always going on, perpetuity, and let's say community benefit could be, hey, you can fund a certain portion of funds into the small business grant, and we keep the application process over. Every year you can apply, maybe you can't get it more than once every three years. That way we can find a way to really empower small businesses to realize, hey, the city back will has your back. We want to make sure that we're doing the best we can Make sure you, you succeed. And as we grow, you'll grow. The big business developer comes to Vacaville. That's the top end. But the bottom end is small business can benefit too every time they come in by the ability to reapply for a new grant. I think there's a big dollar amounts that they're doing to try to appease us and sweeten deals. A fragment can go to small business grants and make all boats rise. So I would love to take my portion of my money and make sure that we fund AGC the round table, get the conversation going. But let's really, if it's not a problem with staff, what would that take? Make sure this process can be going perpetuity going forward. And it's an option for developers. It's an option for a big business coming to back a bill. Today, we want to fund, hey, we're a multi-billion dollar company, but we understand small business is important. We want to fund this process to allow them to succeed as we're coming in with big dollars in the community. That's just please try to make it work. It's about two minutes. Okay. I'm going to open up to the public, anyone who wants to come forward and, and speak on behalf of this issue or those who were, um, were discussing. I love you, man, but uh, grants to small, I've owned a couple of small businesses, one with 100 people, <coughs> five locations, and then Another one where I contracted with the state and other agencies and private entities. Idea of a small business is be successful, but I don't know about getting in the business of giving grants to a small business. The COVID impact, I really understand that. So maybe you could explain to me why if, if a small business can't get started, giving them a grant to get up and running may or may not be fruitful for the entire community. But I would comment to make sure that we have funding to be fully staffed in the city so that opening a business is not cumbersome, so we make sure that we have lots of personnel that can act promptly when a, when a business wants to open up. That's my suggestion, but not so sure about startups getting a grant or something. Maybe I misunderstood. Well, let's just, Thank you, let's just keep moving. Thank you. Good evening, I'm Anna with the Boys and Girls Club. And I just wanted to come up here and thank all of you um, on the city council member past and present for all the work and the diligence you put in in considering the applications. I know that it was an arduous task 
And so any amount that is given, um, because nonprofits struggled in different ways, some of us struggle more than others, and I know you considered that. And so any amount that is awarded to the Boys and Girls Club, I thank you and um, wanted to make sure that you had on your calendar our event tomorrow night where we uh, share with our supporters and city council members how we've used the dollar funds um, given to us and how that relates and translates into programs for the kids and what we've accomplished with that and what our priorities are for this year as well as an update on our campaign. So I'm hoping I get to see all of you there tomorrow at 6 p.m. at the Opera House. And again, thank you for your time and consideration with this. I know it was hard. Thank you. Anyone else in the audience? All right. I see one more in the back. So at the podium uh, in the rear. Uh, yes. Uh, my name is Troy Lawrence. I, uh, I've worked with many of the council before y'all. It's great to see y'all. It's great to see new people up here. I've worked with the previous mayor, both previous mayors, um, Ms. Wiley over here as well. Um, it's great to see y'all. It's great to see the small business. I like, like my friend here, I own a nonprofit as well, mainly for the disabled community. Um, glad to see your commission that you have, uh, trying to affect some of the streets and, uh, herbs and things needed here that I've dealt with myself personally. Um, as far as the small business grants, I think it's, uh, this town and looking at this board, I see a lot of large businesses, um, which. I see a lot of support of small of large, but I look at the small business support and I see a little number. Um, I see y'all trying to allocate the money to the proper quality businesses as opposed to the quantity businesses, which makes sense. And I would just suggest with some of that funds to maybe possibly bring in some of those people that are the workshops or the grant writers that can teach some of the faults that happen with the application so that more of the smaller businesses can probably qualify for simple mistakes like signatures and things like that. Those small little allocations to these small businesses and education is, I think, more needed money to keep them afloat. I think the, the, to learn, like my man said, to, to teach them how to fish is a little bit more important than just cost. Thank you. Seeing no one else, I'll bring this back to the council. Um, and I see council member Richie, and this I'll, is not, the, let's just keep this on topic. Yeah, I'll be very short. Um, it was Brett's SB, uh, I really appreciate it. Uh, yeah, I need the help. Oh. Okay, here we go. Um, I appreciate the, the input from the community. I just want to have clarification. Um, the way small business works, this is not some kind of new idea that's popped in my head. Um, there's a major, major government entity called the SBA. Just a couple hundred billion they get about a year. So this isn't something I say, it's a crackpot idea. It's something the federal government does. The guidelines for small business. So I, I was not insinuating you get an application, then go in a store and try to get your hand out for money. That's a startup. Then there's seed money. Then there's series money. Most... SBA 5A, 7A requires two years in business before you can achieve or receive a grant, line of credit, or funding. So 
These are businesses that have shown the ability to lease, get off the ground. If you make two years, 80% of businesses fail within two years. That's the that's the premise. I, I still want to have any kind of, I don't need assumptions or negative insinuations where I'm trying to help people at just starting and give them a free handout. These are small businesses. You had one that made it, it's hard. But once you get off the ground over two years, you've shown the ability to have some continuity of your business, and then you can apply for assistance. So that is something I just want to make sure everyone understood. I'm not trying to find people who's, hey, start a business and here's the money, and if it works, worse does and doesn't. They've done the hard work to show they can start a smarter business. So like, then I just want to show them the steps, educate them on what's next. Um, so that's my goal. Thank you. And uh, at this point, um, the only clarification I want to understand is, is it looks like there's stipulations in the recommendation that have not been discussed as I look at this slide. Is there is there any from staff or the subcommittee that can understand that the stipulations look like um, programs and scholarships only for the Vacaville Unified or United Soccer Club and for the Boys and Girls Club? It says programs only. And with that question, we received applications and what they would, these organizations would do with it. Has there been any follow-up with them to understand the implications of how we determine how it's allocated versus how the grant was asked for? So there was not follow-up with the applicants uh, prior to tonight. That is something that would happen once council makes a decision on how the funds are allocated and staff can go back, contact the applicants and discuss with them uh, what awards were being recommended by council. Could, uh, if that award amount is lower than what they were requesting, would they be willing to accept that amount and could they still use that amount? That's also where we would take the opportunity to amend any of the outcomes or activities if needed based on the awarded amount. And um, if they are not able to accept that amount or for instance, uh, not able to accept the amount for what the council is recommending they use the funding for, then staff could bring that back to the council for discussion and possible reallocation of. Thank you. Vice Mayor White. The stipulation was because the soccer club had requested quite a quite a lot more. I don't remember if it was 186,000 or it was like almost double that. And one big portion of that was for rehabbing the lighting. And then the other part was the program with the Boys and Girls Club and the scholarships. So we talked among ourselves and said, well, if you only give them half, are they going to be able to say, oh, we'll fix the lights and then not have the programs for the Boys and Girls Club and for the other scholarships? So we thought we would put parameters on it to discuss as a council so that we would hope that this money would be used for the programs with the Boys and Girls Club and other kids in Vacaville and the scholarships rather than fixing the lights. And then the same thing for the Boys and Girls Club because um, also their request was much higher and a lot of what we talked about was a building. So we wanted this 200,000 to go for programs with the children, not to go into the building fund. So that's why we put those stipulations on there, knowing that when the uh, housing authority talks with the people, and here's, here's the grant amount allotted to you. Can you work without that, within that amount? And here's what we want it to be used for rather than here's your money and do what you want with it. 
Councilmember Chapman. Yes, thank you. Exactly as uh, the Vice Mayor stated, um, one comment that was added, we wanted the, the monies to go to direct services primarily that are being rendered by the nonprofits. Nonprofits are to be service organizations or render service. Um, and so that's another reason why we put the stipulation there. Thank you for that. Um, I'm not sure if anyone else has any thoughts or comments. Uh, I think we've discussed this one, but uh, I wanna give an opportunity before we start entertaining motions on this, if there's any final conversations. Council member Ritchie and then Councilmember Stockton. Thanks so much. Um, Councilmember Vice Mayor Wiley um, raised a really good point. Regarding the, the programs as scholarship only for Evacuate United, um, that the lighting was something that's very interesting. Um, went out there a lot to see kids at athletics. So we own the property and it is a long-term contract, but it's our property, it's our obligation. And so I, I do agree, keep the money under that, but I wish we can explore an opportunity for health and safety. So we have 3,000 kids, 2,000 kids out of that property, and it's our responsibility to have a safe environment for our our youth and backboard residents to have play. This, to me, imposes a liability to have, hey, the contract stated, good luck, run in the dark and hit a tree. Or if someone, if someone gets, you know, heaven forbid, someone knows there's 3,000 kids on weekend out there after the dark and there's no lights. I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a great opportunity for someone to do the wrong thing because we're not creating a safe work environment or a safe play environment or a safe facility. So I'm kind of usually exclusive from this. We should address that because we're knowledgeably knowing there's, there's kids after dark in a city owned property that they're in dark because of a loophole in a contract. If something happens, it's on us. So I think we should address the issue of making sure we at least turn over a safe and well-lit um, facility. That's, yeah. Thank you. Council Member Stockton. Yes, thank you. And uh, I thank my colleagues for their comments as well and the subcommittee for taking time to go the extra mile to provide us with some um, a starting point, certainly. Um, you know, anytime I hear grant funding, I think taxpayer funded. And so I'm actually kind of a fan of giving these people the ability to use that to put into a building fund or to buy lights or to put toward a building or to do something because it, it, once you have that, you're not paying that fee and you can roll that into your service as well. So I'm not necessarily... Um, against them being able to use it for what they allocated it for. Um, it is one-time money. Um, the business, the small business grants, um, what was the average amount that was asked for by small businesses? The average amount was right around $8,000. So I, I, part of me wants to kind of stay there um, because I think that seems to be kind of that sweet spot towards really being able to help them. And if some of these folks aren't able to spend the money, um, I think that we should create a deadline that um, predates the, the termination of whether or not we have to give these funds back if they're not used. And so that that extra money can be rolled into additional uh, small business grants that are qualified for being affected from COVID. So 
those are just my thoughts uh, on this, but, but I, everything else is good. And I, I just wanna share my thoughts also. It's interesting, I appreciate the thought process and, uh, and all the hard work that you all did coming up with the recommendation, knowing full well that this was to come back to council for the robust discussion, which has continued to be. Um, I also understand that what, you know, how we can best help the small businesses. I certainly am a fan of helping out the, any, anyone who's at risk at youth. So I, I am in support of, you know, what the subcommittee recommended on that. I'm not opposed to it. I just wanted to make sure that we can, we can put that into a, um, this ARPA project. Um, I will say though, that on one hand, it feels the, like it's the right thing to do to put money towards um, programs or scholarships. And so it, that is a very, um, it's from my perspective, it's very direct and it's easy to sit on the council and say, this is why that money is going. However, in doing so, I also say there's a downside to that. And that is, is when we're looking to offer application grants to the others in similar fashion and funding, we didn't get into the weeds. Um, and so I had to question my thought as I looked at this and I think, well, why not put lights on the field if it means that we can provide the services to the kids at a time when they can't? And so isn't that directly or indirectly helping? I do appreciate the fact that you, when you do that and we're going to put lights or we're working through something that might be on another master plan, maybe we need to coordinate that. So maybe that is, that is something that does allow us to say, if we're gonna do this anyway, let's coordinate it. We don't need to duplicate the funds and work on the project. As far as the, the Boys and Girls Club, I mean, I guess it, the, the difficult thing here is, is they came and it's very well known and documented the count that uh, the Boys and Girls Club has received a lot of help and has done a lot during the, the COVID time period to help our at-risk youth. Their particular project really is trying to get across the finish line. I, I ask questions of staff to make sure, is this in line with the ARPA grants and is the connection there and it meets it entirely and this council has weighed to reduce it. But in doing so, what we're doing is then we're saying right now that the entirety is having to say, take it. And I know that they would appreciate it. But the other thing is, is, if, is they're trying to, as I reread some of these total thousand pages, is trying to get to this place where they can have that because this is where they serve kids. And it is part of a larger plan to service the kids. And so I, I personally don't want to, to then step in and stipulate on either one of them. I want to be able to get them across the finish line and I want to help the small businesses in a greater impact. And so um, those are my thoughts from the council's perspective. It's gonna be another interesting exercise as we get to a motion, but before we get to the, a motion, um, I know that uh, Councilmember Roberts and then Councilmember Silva. Yeah, thank you, Mary. And kind of touched on the point I really want to bring up primarily regarding the soccer because Centennial does have a whole master plan. So make, and I know currently the soccer field is not where the master plan is saying the soccer field is going to go. So spending a lot of money on lights there just for them, them taken down in a few years unless they redo the entire plan. Uh, doesn't make much sense to me, but there is other equipment that they needed, like, hey, you need soccer goals or something like that, or 
yeah, actually buying equipment for use, not just program scholarships, but make sure those that equipment or structures that they need are in line with the master plan for that park and is in line with what Parks and Rec's trying to accomplish. Um, Boys and Girls Club, yeah, I know they made the facility and doing, Anna's doing a great job with all the fundraising for that. Uh, but I believe we do have discussions regarding Boys and Girls Club later. Uh, yeah, the big thing is just making sure that they're in line with what we're trying to do with the city as a whole. And so I understand the program and scholarships, uh, but I'd like to see other equipment uses like a jersey or uniform scholarships, or yeah, they need new equipment to paint the field, uh, or just, yeah, buying chalk or paint or whatever you're using to market with, or perhaps one throw some turf down in certain areas. Um, yeah, so I'm open, I'm open up to a little bit more than just the programs and scholarships alone, just as long as it makes sense. Council Member Silva. All right, so uh, a couple of things, um, Backbow Unifies the, the Horse Creek, there's a 12, 12 foot chain link fence says keep out uh, neighborhood kids around the area can access it, right? So, um, so this is, you know, kind of jumping in and being pretty blunt on this one. Um, it's always been an issue because when people, uh, particularly in the local neighborhood, uh, they say, oh, you know, why are you guys asking, why are your kids, why are you, why are you folks asking for a soccer field? Well, because we don't have access to a flat playing field. So that's what came up with Trower Park. Uh, we'll see what happens with uh, the Brown Street uh, development that hopefully gets kicked off. Um, so part of that discussion was, okay, well, how do we increase access to this, to those fields? Um, and so that's why we talked about programs and scholarships. I mean, some of the uh, itemized requests in there is what influenced that decision. Uh, I, and I think for lighting wise, you know, along with uh, uh, Councilmember Roberts' uh, points, you know, that we have access to other funding for that. Um, the comments about uh, Boys and Girls Club, yeah, we're, we're going to talk about it in a little bit. Um, I think the, the concern, I'll, I'll express it again, the concern is that if the building doesn't get built, uh, within the time frame that the funds have to be allocated, uh, then you know what do, what do we do with the funds? So I guess at that point it can be re, uh, re put back to small businesses. Um, so I guess really the question is if if council is not or still kind of wants some answers. Question: uh, One thing we can do is uh, hold off. Um, if you still want to work out the details or uh, hear back from the groups, hold off on back for Unified and Boys and Girls Club. Um, and then, but all, what I'm going to suggest to do just to move us along and see where we stand, I'll make a motion to approve the subcommittee recommendations as written um, with the appropriate notes. Um, $35,000 would get allocated small business grant. The $2,063 would get added to that small business grant. Um, I think we can bring back, uh, so that's also what let's bring back in a future uh, meeting uh, to talk about how we divide up the small business grants. Uh, so that way, I guess it's time to talk about, you know, uh, ponder that, come back with the businesses, uh, give input from them. And uh, so, so the motion is what you're suggesting is. is... I'll, I'll repeat uh, more concise. So the motion is to approve the subcommittee's recommendation as written, uh, with the exception that the youth roundtable funding for $2,063 be allocated to the small business grant. So for a total of $37,063, uh, and then we bring back on a future discussion how we allocate the total remaining ARPA funds to small businesses 
for the 88 businesses that uh, were not selected in the first um, random selection. And okay, Councilmember Stock, actually. Well, you had asked, Mayor, about why we didn't have stipulations on the other things, and most of it because the other things were funded pretty much at the what they asked for. So their application was what they're going to spend the money for. So since this was like less than half or about half of what they voted on, that's why we wanted to have some input on that. But that's why we had no notes on the other ones, because they were funded at maximum or nearly maximum. And like for the ballet club was quite a bit less than they asked for, but that's why we were going to give the money for the VPAT. But since they didn't get that, we didn't make a note there, um, but then they would be eligible to apply for those VPAT um, vouchers as well through the previous money set aside for the arts. includes those stipulations that's what's my does that motion verification does that motion exclude the two that have stipulations is that what i just heard so your your motion is is as is right there in moving the the small funds from the round table to the small business is there any part of the motion that brings any further discussion back uh, this? one other per, okay. further clarifying question um because uh, Council Member Wiley mentioned um, the stipulation for the Boys and Girls Club um, because the, the requested amount is significantly less, or the, the amount that was actually allotted or proposed to be allotted is significantly less, but is, it's also for the soccer club as well, even though we're giving them, well, I guess that's also, never mind. Like theirs was, I think, 100, was it 180? And now it's. Okay. So we have a motion by Silva. Again, to clarify, the small business grants will be added to a total pot that we as a council uh, would discuss on how to allocate that in a future meeting. And and I know we'll get there, so we have clarification. Um, I think it's important to also understand when this is finished, but yes. Okay. Um, I, the motion I second was to... Um, Take the recommendation from the subcommittee and with the $35,000 add the $2,063 that was noted for the youth round table. And that in turn would be added to the 58,000 for a total of 90, roughly $95,063. And uh, those funds would be um, through a computer lottery, I'm just adding this out there for clarification right now. Through a computer lottery, as it was done before, these funds would be allocated to um, additional small businesses. Is this an amended motion? Because is it the same amount or is it an amended? So that's your the, the, the process is different. As I understand from Councilmember Silva, the yeah. process would be to take that total dollar amount, but bring, but bring that back for discussion at a future meeting with the council to determine how much of that money is allocated to how many businesses. Yeah, so he added that on okay. afterwards. I just so want to make sure that we completely understand. I need clarification now. So 
oh, if so if we approve the amount and it's gonna to go to the small businesses, and then we're gonna come back again to say how it's gonna be allocated or we're finished tonight and staff will go forward with the lottery to issue the funds. And then and come back to council and report, report back. Oh, sorry. Uh, Looks over. Instead of me explaining what I heard of your your motion, um, it sounds like the, the the struggle here is it sounds like there's a consensus potentially on the dollar amount. It's um, the distribution of that monies is seems to be what's uh, up for discussion. So um, what I thought I heard you say is is that you'd like that to come back to the council not have staff allocated in any way, shape or form. Correct. Bring it back to council at a future council meeting. And then you all decide whether you're giving everybody uh, an equal dollar amount or minimum amount. a minimum amount or however you want to decide, but that that would come back for future council discussion. Staff would not initiate any additional uh, process for allocating those funds until Correct. that is completed. Correct. All right. So that's the motion. And we still have a second on that motion. Is there a second on this motion? I'll second council member, so let's make sure. Okay, this is gonna take a roll call. No. Yeah. Yes. No. Member Ritchie. Um, we have representatives here. Um, could buying towards program scholarships could that address Councilmember Silva's question about? We're, we're, we can't do this right now. Okay. We're we're in a motion, then, and we're we're voting. Oh, you clear? I'll, I'm gonna vote now. Councilmember Silva. Yes. Mayor Carly. No. All right. So what? Councilmember Chapman. I would like to put another motion on the floor this evening uh, that the funds that the recommendation of the um, subcommittee be accepted with the addition of adding the $2,063 um, to the $35,000, which in turn would be added to the remaining $58,000 for a total amount of 95 thousand sixty ninety five thousand plus and that we uh, allow the allow staff to move forward on awarding these funds to small businesses using a lottery okay but how much okay um I will add an amount. We're, I'm going to add an amount of quickly. What will divide 95,000 and see an average amount of, uh, let's see, divide 95,000. How about, how, how about this really quick? Distribute it evenly. So to be clear, you're just talking about the remainder amount. You're not talking about going and readjusting in a lottery. No, not readjusting. Readjusting. So if you took ninety-five thousand six hundred ninety dollars. Oh no, not by all the 
all of them that's remaining, I'm, I was going to say divide this 95,000 by 20, 20, that's 80, um, 20,000. Uh, we'll go four. That'll be about an average of an additional four grants at 20. $23,922. So if I understand, Mr. go ahead. Yeah. Mr. Mayor, if, yeah. if I could try to help out here and not further um, keep this going. So um, just to help with the motion, I think what the um, what we're trying to achieve is not necessarily allowing the, the same cap at 25,000. We don't, if, if the council's comfortable with the process that we used, to award the other hundreds of thousands okay. of dollars. It is a computer generated random number selection right. process. We don't know if the application that is selected is either the maximum at 25,000 or at 8,000 or somewhere in the middle of there. So a similar event could occur that if we go through this process again to, to allocate the 95,000, you may get four businesses that take it all or seven businesses based on how much they've actually asked for. If there is interest, again, not to try to make this more complicated, but if there's interest to try to spread it to more people, another way could be is to lower the maximum dollar amount awarded to say 20,000 or so be it. Because um, we tried the, the other direction to, to to spread it evenly to, to all the businesses. And I think what I hear you saying is, is let's keep the money you know, still fairly substantial, but not to that peak dollar amount that yes. we did previously. Yes, and that's where uh, council member Silver came up with the 23,960 something equals. Well, and I think to, so, your, to your point, Mr. City Manager, is, is it might just be easier to say for the process of of a grant application is set a max, it will divide itself out. So instead of trying to figure out the math, if if there is a if if the motion that you're trying to bring is is to spread it out evenly, um, entertain a number. You've heard some tonight say twenty thousand, fifteen, ten thousand, and create a max that can come back as a motion and say this is what we want staff to do. And then there's going to be a balance, but that will allow this to actually create an application process to get more. Because I think that's what you're getting at. Um, and then I also think it's important that there was there were several no's and we haven't really had a discussion as to why that might help further this conversation. Um, so I know that we can go quickly into a motion, but the, the reality is, is I think there needs to be some some voices heard as to why. I mean, I for one will say, my no is just because, well, I know that the Boys and Girls Club a, a year ago when there was no grant application, they, they positioned a million dollars. And so they simply responded to a previous council that didn't put a cap and it really created this, this very interesting dialogue that we had and we wouldn't be there and it wouldn't look like they were asking for it. And maybe they can't, you know, I'm a strong advocate that they're going to, they have a successful campaign project and there's a lot of work that's being done and the last thing that I want to do is just have comments and conversation from this council that harms their ability to raise funds and to be able to get across the finish line. 
there's a there's a lot at, at stake and we know there's going to be closed session on even even some of what we're talking about i believe that they met the uh, the the objective standards of this mine though is because i don't want to restrict I, I understand the issues, but that's just that was the reason for my no, and I just want you all to understand why. Okay. Yes, Mr. Secretary. So, at the risk of putting my nose in in your business, but to try to help facilitate this, um, it did seem like there was some additional dialogue that wanted to be had about the the two um, nonprofits, you know, on the sheet here that had uh, some further restrictions. May I suggest the possibility of um, we will know at some point in time soon through the, the necessary ongoing negotiation steps with the Boys and Girls Club where they're at in the process and whether those funds will complement the, the capital program and will meet that timeline or it won't. Right. We'll know that. Uh, similarly with, with the soccer club, um, going through that vetting process about you know how can it be used, how can it not be used, um, and working with them um, and their priorities, we haven't had that conversation with them yet. And I think this will give us an opportunity to go check with them. Um, and, and you know, at the same time, we can look at the priorities of other things that are happening in terms of improvements to the park out there. I will share with the council uh, because a comment did come up about the safety um, and lighting um, under the prior uh, lease agreement with the with the club. They are responsible for providing lighting for for that field. So you know there are commitments and obligations that you know um, are are in existence, and so. What I would suggest is so that we don't have to get into the, the finality of it right here, right now, is, is that um, we still have some time, albeit, you know, there is a shot clock deadline on these funds, but I think we still have some time to ask those important questions of these particular uh, groups and get the answers that we need and share that with council so that if there does need to be an adjustment somehow, some way, um, we know the parameters that you're, you know, that you're setting up here. And we can work with those two particular uh, nonprofit groups to make sure that it goes to the to the right cause, and we can, can obviously come back to council and report back. Thank you. And uh, we do. Do you want to continue with that motion? But I have a couple of lights on. I'm not sure if. Um. No, I'll let the. But I do have my light on yes. for a reason. Yes. Okay. And it's now. Yes, you can. Okay. When the uh, subcommittee met, we could, took into consideration the applications that were submitted by each of the clubs. In particular, um, the soccer club, correct me if I'm incorrect, uh, if I'm misstating, the soccer club in their application was saying that they uh, invited um, the, the children from the um, Boys and Girls Club for a one day of activity on their fields. And then they had uh, a group game or something, but the children only uh, were welcomed, I'm, I'm using the word, welcomed uh, or invited for one day based upon the availability of funds. And they put the amount in there that it costs for them to uh, invite or have about 20 children there so we, we stipulated programs and scholarships to allow the children to have a season of participation rather than a one day, I'm not 
calling a teaser, but a one day of being introduced to the game of soccer. That was, that was a discussion that we had and we felt comfortable with, our, with that discussion that took place. And that contributed to us putting programs and scholarships here. So when I stated that we looked at the direct services that would be rendered by these groups and how best could we reach more children and give them that exposure, we absolutely had that uh, conversation. The reason why I voted against the, the uh, original vote that was on the um, table was because of wanting to bring it back to have another discussion on how the funds would be allocated. That's the reason why I voted no. And my motion that I was putting on the floor was to take the total amount, um, let staff take it, give them both part figure to work with and run with it, rather than us to come back to have the same type of dialogue. I finished. Um, thank you. The reason I voted no is because I have concerns about stipulating the use of the money and then it not being spent. Um, I, I recognize that the city offers programs, but we have an, we have a, an agreement with the soccer team right now that they're, they have a lease on those fields, but they're, those improvements are required, but eventually those fields will go back to the city. I don't know that the, we didn't hear from the soccer folks today, but I would assume that they're not creating a new league, that they have an existing league, that they do activities and things like that. And so I don't want to prohibit them from being able to, um, if they were affected in fundraising, some of the amenity, you know, the improvement to the amenity, the field. Um, if this can help that, I don't want to handcuff them and their ability to do that. Um, also with the Boys and Girls Club, um, I, I understand that there are services involved as well as the capital improvement project that they're, the, the project they're doing. So I just, I don't want to limit that as far as it goes with um, taking the money for the small businesses, um, taking the money from the youth and applying that. I'm totally comfortable um, doing that and then allowing staff to continue to do what they've been doing already. It, um, uh, but I'm not a hard line on that. I just, I don't really want to limit what these folks are trying to do with the money because I want them to spend I don't want it to come back and not come back. Council Member Richie. Thank you. I, I agree with uh, the comments of Councilman Silva and uh, Mayor Carlin. I, I feel like a lot of council members kind of hit on the same thing. Um, we have representatives here, uh, Backbone United Soccer Club. Um, maybe they should highlight example, like to address um, Councilman Silva's concerns about ability for the community and Backbone youth of Vacaville to have access and to kind of highlight, is it the day of usage for Powell, but kind of just, if you can highlight how Vacaville youth um, uses and utilizes the field, if maybe you can provide us a little bit of insight how that's used. Well, um, hold on a second. Um, now we're getting in the weeds, right? I mean, that's the reason for the application and I appreciate that and I know that it was public comment, but I- Changing their application. Right, that's the key. Yeah. Is now what we're doing is we're changing the application. So for a point of order, I want to, I mean, he's bringing the question. So go ahead and, and come to the floor. Is that on? Okay, yes. thank you very much. Uh, Chris Hall, I'm the executive director for uh, Vacaville United Soccer Club. First of all, I want to thank you all for your consideration and any amount that you give us, uh, we're very happy with and we're going to put it to good use. 
everything we do is for the children. The money that uh, is required for the programs, for the fields, for everything that we do, for uniforms, for the lights, that all comes from the kids. Um, we do fundraise, we do uh, get sponsorships and things like that for specific projects, but ultimately we collect the fees from the parents, from the kids. And so it all goes back to the kids. Everything that we collect goes right back into what we're doing for them. So any money collected going right back for them. Safety, um, proper equipment. Um, we're also happy with the, the allotment for programs and scholarships. We can use that money, it'll go to them. We're, we're very good with that. Um, as far as uh, the allocation towards the fields, and, and thank you for bringing that up, um, it's very specific in our contract. The contract that we have is very, very specific. And that wasn't in our report, that might've been in their report because we didn't charge them for that. Um, we can only allot X amount of days per year for exterior programs. So we would like to do that, but we also have to submit those to the city for approval. So it's a process to do it. We have a lot of red tape in that contract. So we want to give it back. We want to align with what the city wants to do. Um, it just takes time. That, that's where it comes from. Did you want to talk about the, the um, Just to kind of do some, a little bit of clarification on regards to our contract with the city. Um, they, we actually have a lease with them for 15 years. Well, it was a 20 year lease originally. We have about 15 years left. Um, with the master plan, I know that's been brought up also. Our, because we have a lease with the city, we're not considered as part of that master plan whatsoever. There's been no, there's no improvements that are going to be done to um, Horse Creek in this master plan. We've asked that question. They've said it very clearly. No, as long as we have a lease, we will not do any improvements. And what also has been brought up is that we have to do, put these lights in there. We read the contract, we're under no obligation to put the lights in. It's if we want to, we're able to. So that's why we're asking for money because it is a want, it's a need, the need for the safety of these kids. We have to cut them off because they're now they're waiting in the dark for their to come. There's very poor lighting out at uh, Centennial Park, so I'm very happy that you brought that up. We have asked for that in the past. We've asked for better lighting. We've asked for better parking, just all kinds of things. But um, anyway, just wanted to bring some clarification in regards to that. Um, for our lease that we do not have, we're under no obligation. So it is a, a want, maybe need, but it's not. A and just my last comment on that, uh, it's something that we're very passionate about doing, especially because you've been out there, the two fields closest to the parking lot are the ones unlighted. So the ones that are lighted that we're there for when the kids are walking back, and we have policies in place that there's always gotta be adults, there's always, but there's always that room for something not to be right. You know what I mean? So we do our very best, but that's what we're trying to do there is we want where the cars are gonna be as adults lighted so we can have extra eyes on all the cars. Okay. And, the, and, the, and the, um, the gates that are on there are a lot of, for our safety of our players, also safety of the public. Because at nighttime, that whole Centennial Park is really dark and it's really a place for people just to hang out in the dark and to go by there anytime at night. Cars just park there doing things they probably shouldn't be doing. We've gotten broken in our clubhouse several times. 
Um, we've had damage to our fields. We've had people try to break in our fields and do damage. Um, so it's a constant battle. And also another thing is because of the animals, you know, we wanna make sure that our, our um, players are protected against the mess that the animals make on the fields. We don't have to go in there and just and go look at the fields. And a lot of the uh, baseball fields, they have to go, first thing they have to do is go check all the fields and make sure there's no damage to it or there's no dog mess on there. So they have to clean it. That's the process they have to clean it up every single time. We did, we're lucky that we don't have to do that. Our fields are nice and they're always welcome and they're one of the best soccer fields. Thank you. Well, I think that's that does provide clarification. I think that the council is needing. Um, on that note, I would if if we're if we're asking for such a significant change, I would I would I would ask and offer if anyone from the Boys and Girls Club also wanted to to speak on behalf of this is a, this is a change in in uh, in what you apply for. So thank you for your comments. Um, we applied for, or we proposed the $1 million request long when ARPA was a new acronym. And um, we've worked very hard to raise the four and a half million to get there, but we find ourselves in a different economy today, which is why, you know, even during COVID we stayed open and we opened longer hours to serve the children. Uh, we didn't have enough space to serve more. And that further magnified the reason why we needed to have a larger facility to serve more children who continue to sit on wait lists. And so our request um, was really for the facility so we can get it past uh, the finish line so that we can meet the challenges of today's economy and build the best facility that we can for our kids because we know that when our kids benefit, the whole entire community will benefit. And so this really goes into programs for the kids. It's, it's not a structure. I mean, if you can look at a structure, but you can also say, this is a long-standing thing that's gonna serve generations of children to come. We've been here, we're celebrating our 20th year this year. I'm so proud of that. And uh, looking forward to, to you know 20 plus more years in a facility that we can call our own. Um, we did struggle through ARPA, but I'm, I'm sorry, we struggled through COVID, but we made it. Um, and we're a stronger organization for it. And uh, we want our council to support this project. It's gonna serve more kids. So I'm happy to answer questions if you have any. Thank you. Thank question. you. Do you have a question? Yeah, I have a question. Okay. Sorry, uh, Councilman Sorry, uh, clarification. So are you saying you only want this for the building and not for programs? They're one and the same in my opinion. The so you're okay with us allocating 200,000 for programs? I would prefer that it goes towards the building. Right now we are serving the children and we have positioned ourselves to be fiduciarily responsible to continue our operations. Um, I would prefer that this goes towards the campaign. So again, we want this building to be what it is to be for the kids, the best building that we can provide for them. Um, so I would prefer that it go towards the building. So you're okay with this programming and not the building? So if it goes to programming and not the building, is that okay? 
if that means I'm not going to get anything, <laughs> I would rather get something for the kids. Thank you. Councilmember Roberts. Yeah, I was going to make a motion. There's no more questions. Please do. Um, yeah, kind of like what others brought up, move the youth roundtable funds into the small business grants uh, aspect of it. And then all the other recommendations per the ad hoc committee that put this together. Uh, in terms of the, the earmarks for these funds uh, for the Backbone United Soccer Club, yeah, coordinate with them. I'm fine with it using it for equipment, uh, just as long as it's in line with what they have planned for the park. Um, and for the Boys and Girls Club, uh, again, leave that up to staff where I would highly recommend prioritizing programs, but if it actually can benefit the capital improvement uh, program they have going on, um, I honestly think, uh, yeah, the, 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 the new building's gonna cost much more than you're expecting that it's gonna cost. So I don't know if that funds will be able to be spent by the time it needs to be done, but I'll leave that up to staff determination, uh, coordinating with Boys and Girls Club and then the Backville United Soccer Club. Uh, so yeah, the youth round table into the small business grants and staff can figure out um, or economic development can figure out how they're gonna award that. Um, I would like to see that ceiling lowered for the maximum amount so it can benefit more businesses. Um, I'll let you guys look at like the average amount of what's left and maybe find something where there's 10,000, 15,000. I'll let you guys, I mean, yeah, do, do you wanna make a motion so yeah. that we can vote on it? Yeah. Yeah, because you're 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 right on a good motion. Yeah. Just set a limit that you believe that you're hearing and that you want to put out there. Okay. Jason, yeah. The... Can I ask a question to staff? Can I ask a question on that to staff? And then you can do it. Uh, are you able? Sorry, uh, Aaron. Is staff able to survey maybe one or two options to the 88 remaining small businesses to see if would they like option A, even distribution? or a low amount. Is that something that they can do? My, my caution against that is, is that if you get their hopes up that they have something coming. Um, it's something that they as a small business community would decide. Well, but this is a council decision on how you'd like to have that handled versus right. the right. small you. business community making that decision. Right. Go ahead, so go ahead, so go ahead with your motion. Yeah, so the funds allocated, the youth roundtable and small business grants, uh, staff make their determination on what's the best new ceiling to help the most businesses. No, 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 you no. make the motion. No. Well, I mean, that's, I mean, they're the ones that said, well, no, but, over, but so. we, but we get to vote on it. And okay. so, all right. Uh, that's the first small business here. grants, uh, set the new cap to $15,000, uh, for 40. And then for the other one for the, and then the earmarks off of the back United soccer club and boys and girls club and staff work for those organizations when you do the agreements for it. Right. I think that's a clean motion. Okay, hold on a second. There is a, there is a clarifying question, officer or uh, officer. Sorry. Are you limiting their ability to spend the money based upon the recommendation by the subcommittee? No, I said no, the staff can no. uh, determine that when they write up the agreement for those funds. At least lift those stipulations. So you're giving that to staff, but you're so you're lifting them, but giving them to staff, or just lifting. Well, if I if I understand it, what you said was 
to determine can they spend it within the time. In other words, it's going to have to come back anyway. I mean, it's going to go to staff. So if it meets the objectives without the stipulations, if they can't fulfill it, well, then that's that's part of the our project. I'll, I'll be happy to commit that we will work through the agreement process to ensure that it's being spent as intended. And if it cannot, um, or there's modifications requested, we will bring that back for those two particular items to right. council for further discussion. Okay. So is that clarified? Yeah, I second the motion. Stock right. second. So, oh, I yeah. Like amendment. Okay, so we have. So what is your amendment? The amendment. So the request was fifteen thousand. My amendment is to lower. So this is a motion for amendment. Uh, lower that to a five thousand cap to get to more businesses. Unless a business asks for less, then they would get less. Mr. Mayor. Yes. I, I appreciate the recommendation for an amendment, but we need to vote, vote on, on the. On the I appreciate that, but let's let this roll. This, we have a motion. Why can I amend? I'm sorry. Second. Because because second. it's been seconded. So. Yeah, motion to make an amendment. Yeah. So is it going to fail? Well, we haven't gone through a roll call. So, Councilmember Richie seconds it. No, hold on. I'm sorry. He, can you, he has the right. I'm sorry. Yeah. Can you please legally clarify this? You can make a motion to amend with a second. Then you yeah, vote on that motion first. That's right. So, so I make a motion to amend. So you make a motion to amend with everything else that was everything else. But lower the fifteen thousand dollar max to five thousand dollar max, unless the business re uh, requested less. The intent is to distribute that more to more businesses. Okay. The issue I had with that why it didn't go that low. So do I have a second? Because if it is too low, then they might not be able to right. use it. So, so on the floor we have an amended to reduce that to five thousand. Is there a second? not seconded so we do have a motion on the first so this the amendment fails the motion on the first with a second by councilmember ritchie roll call councilmember Stockton? yes councilmember ritchie yes councilmember silva yes councilmember chapman i i guess councilmember roberts yes vice mayor wiley no mayor carly yes the motion passes. Thank you for bearing with us on this staff. And with that, we will go to item 10 reports of the city manager if there are any. I have done. Thank you with that. And with that, um, reports of the city council. I got one. Councilmember Silva. Come on, come on. Uh, Echo Mexico on Tuesday. Uh, they're allowing uh, graciously open uh, part of their uh, open space to have a, a listening session. So anybody's welcome from the public. It's going to be from 6 to 7 p.m. Um, the intent of this is really just to hear some feedback, collect, collect the feedback from that uh, particularly low and Collin area, some uh, issues that are unique to that area. Uh, but these are issues that pertain to all of Vacaville. Um, so all are, are welcome. Thank you. Councilmember Chapman. Thank you. Um, I at the last meeting I made mention we were uh, dealing with the rain, heavy rains, and the uh, minor flooding in District Four. I have made mention that I gone out, taken pictures, had talked to many of, spoken with many of the uh, residents in the area. And we had a lady come before us this evening asking us for help. I would like to ask the. Uh, 
put it out there and speak as the um, city manager and possibly if he would be willing uh, and able to begin reach researching and looking into the detention basin again. Um, the, there were two detention basins um, and I have Brian here. First of all, I wanna make mention that I met with him last week and uh, was introduced and was thoroughly uh, informed about the work that had been done and where it stopped. Um, the Eulatus Creek, uh, the detention basin that was uh, installed for them is uh, did assist Eulatus Creek, uh, that area from flooding. Uh, Alamo Creek subdivision, Alamo Creek is still having issues. And he spoke of uh, a flap that had been placed on one, maybe two of the um, pipes, drainage pipes. Uh, and yet there is still one, possibly two, I may be incorrect there, remaining that could also use the flap. Um, this has been a, this is an ongoing issue. Uh, we in District 4 are the ones having to pay, pay the flood insurance that we didn't have to pay when we purchased our homes, but that has been placed on us. When we have the heavy rain, there are some that actually deal with the flooding and have major losses. I'm not aware of any major losses uh, with this past one, but I may be wrong there. So I am asking that the city council um, look to the city manager and uh, ask that uh, we do more researching how we can uh, install the detention basin that wasn't. And I know that artifacts were found and you cannot go, you can't proceed when that occurs. Uh, however, look at other options that may be available to assist the flooding that occurs every time we have this heavy rain. Um, I think we have, we being the residents of District 4 have been endured this long enough and they're speaking out and had one to come out tonight, but I think others would be willing, but that's not what I'm looking for. So uh, with that, um, what, what would be needed? So I think um, this is an important subject for us. It's something that we know um, uh, is worthy of discussion. And so actually, uh, Mr. McLean and I have been talking about, you know, what are the options and possibilities? And what I would like to offer the council as opposed to, you know, making a motion for bringing this back for discussion item is, is that um, this is something that I think would be appropriate to discuss at your goal setting session and your priorities when you establish that. Okay. And um, Mr. McLean can give us an update at that point in time. That will give us some time to do some more um, uh, homework on this particular subject. And then we can give you uh, a quick update at that meeting and talk with the entire council about, you know, where, how does that fit into the overall scheme of things? Okay. Um, so can we make that an agenda item for our... I, I, you have my commitment that that will be part I, of the discussion with the council. I appreciate yes, that so very much. I really do. Thank you. Thank you. Vice Mayor Warren. I just wanted to thank everyone and Council Member Ritchie and all the other people who were involved with the um, Martin Luther King Jr. event on Monday. It was an excellent event. There were a lot of city staff there, um, police people, 
officers and the Vacaville People's Forum put it on. It was standing room only in the McBride Center due to the weather, but it was a wonderful, a wonderful um, diverse group of people and young and old to talk about how important it is the Martin Luther King Jr.'s message. So I appreciated that. And then later in the week, I had the opportunity to attend the Cal City's conference for new council member and mayors along with uh, Mayor Farley and council member Chapman. And we were with council members from across Northern California. And it was just a wonderful experience to hear others. So great, great week. Thank you. Council member Stockton. Um, I uh, wanted to reiterate how amazing uh, Dr. King uh, event was. It really was a great demonstration of community. Um, in addition to that, um, council member Roberts and I um, had our first meeting together with the new Cap Solana, where we're discussing regionalized efforts to address homelessness. Um, we advocated for um, a, a, my friend's house, which is a which is a youth um, property that for for homeless youth. Um, in addition to assisting some of our neighbors throughout the county in some of their shovel ready projects. Uh, the city of Vallejo currently has two projects, one's for, I believe, 127 beds, and another one for 40-something beds. They significantly have the largest population of homeless in the county. Um, and so um, I'm hopeful that our recommendation to the Board of Supervisors will be um, acted upon. Uh, we also um, recommended a project that the city of Fairfield, their shelter Inc. Um, needs a kitchen that will allow them to essentially almost double their occupancy there. And um, everybody seemed to be in agreement towards um, speaking about the JPA covering the costs of shelter Inc. for our law enforcement agencies throughout the county to make sure that they have beds available that right now we're paying for. So I wanted to thank council member Roberts for um, uh, supporting, you know, we work together to, to kind of get some good things, good recommendations done. But I did want to invite the public, uh, the Board of Supervisors meeting where they're going to actually make the difficult decisions a lot like we had to do tonight um, about homelessness in, in addition to a variety of other issues. Um, I believe they have $10 million left, was it? Was 10 million? I don't know. 10 and a half million for everything. And there were, um, significant asks even just in the area of homelessness but we're crossing our fingers that um that that meeting will be on february 7th um i don't have the time i apologize but it's at 675 texas street it's their main building there and i want to say it's it's in the morning sometimes so you know uh not sure what okay but um i will i will try to get that information and put it out there so if you're interested in any of these ARPA conversations at the county level, that's a great opportunity to address your board of supervisors. Um, I'm gonna do my best to be there and advocate for some of the needs that we need here in Vacaville. Um, the last thing I wanted to bring up is uh, I was sent a video of kind of a horrifying traffic accident that happened at the roundabout on Leisure Town Road and Jepson Parkway, a vehicle that literally launched itself over the um, um, roundabout lane of traffic and settled into somebody's backyard. Uh, I every I drive past this every single day. Um, every day, it's kind of like a rotation of it being fixed, being broken, cones going up, waiting for it to be fixed, then being broken again. And it's kind of like the cyclical 
cycle. I don't know if we need to work with the city of Fairfield, if we need to work with the county board of supervisors. That is a very long stretch of dangerous road where people are driving way too fast. Um, clearly, uh, I'm not sure whether or not there was intoxication or anything like that involved with this collision, but it was very significant. Um, I don't think people are expecting that roundabout coming northbound on that lane, and, and it is dangerous. Uh, this person hit it straight on, and it was like a um, uh, completely airborne vehicle. Um, I hear the person is did survive the, the collision um, and is stable now, thank God. But um, I would really like, um, you know, to get with Brian or with our traffic folks and figure out if we can just get some lighting or flashing light or something to protect citizens that are driving down that very, very dangerous road. So um, that's all I have. Thank you, council member Richie. So I kind of just wanted to really kind of touch base on a lot of it. It's very, I'm very happy a lot of the council members mentioned the MLK event. It, it was a, it was an amazing event and it's kind of want to just briefly touch on it. Um, I think it's the third year of doing the MLK event here in Vacaville. This is the first time we've had all members of the council, the mayor, everyone there. Um, there's so many faces in the crowd I see. I, I gave a very passionate speech prior to this about what it means to me. But I, I I'm still buzzing on the feeling of, of just going in front and had an opportunity to look out in the crowd and speak. It was a very different dynamic sitting in the crowd. Um, being a black man in Vacaville, I just remember the days when I was portrait elementary school. I was the only black in my class. My brother, my sister, and there's three others for the whole school. The, that feeling, it, it, you have to be strong. But when I was in that crowd looking out, when I heard kids speak the high dream speak, his son had so much passion. It was it was like I had a clap. It was amazing. But it, I I don't want that to get missed. We're like looking out in that crowd, seeing representatives from our city police. We have retired police chief. That's the mayor that's there. We had every we had so many police come there. Like in my speech, I talked about how that dynamic of how police and African American. It was not so fun in the civil rights movement. Instead of seeing us face to face in conflict, we had police come shoulder to shoulder and they're standing with us and what, what that meant. It, it meant a lot to me to see the support of the community. And just it was just a sea of people. It was ages. I mean, there's a lot of people, like my father. Like I, I told old speech help. He couldn't land an airplane and have the Air Force bases when he's flying. There's people that they're at the age when Jim Crow was still around, and they were in the crowd sitting shoulder to shoulder to people. It, that dynamic was amazing. I went and took my son to a basketball game back at Huygens Wood. I'm just very neutral, you know, I went to one of the schools. But walking in that crowd, walking in that stadium, and seeing just our city come together, it was just a, a gumbo pot of just people of all ages, and it was safe. That's a lot for the help. That's a speaks volume to the community. Like that's what we're going for. Like I just want to be very constant aware of what we were creating in Vacaville. It's an environment that we are coming together. It was a hot mess a few years ago, the media, but like seeing that I have a dream speech, seeing the kids speak, going out in the community and seeing that same diversity at a basketball game, instead of like these guys are over here, those groups are over there. It was just where we found a seat. There made no difference. And, and that is just, I just want to really, really just empower the feeling that that had and just challenge everybody. Just 
don't let there just be one day. And we, we, we can we can keep this going through Vacaville and make sure that the speech, the dream, and the vision and the feeling we had in that room can carry on. Because that's what we need in Vacaville. And that's, that's it. No, thank you. Um, in the interest of not repeating, it was fantastic. And for anyone who was not there, you missed out and to just to connect with people. It was amazing. It was an amazing event. The weather didn't get in the way. They actually made everyone inside and up close and engaged. So good, good opportunity to get to know people better. Um, so I, hopefully what we'll see is that just grow every year. Just a, a quick update. I don't see why. It turned it off. Sorry about that. Oh, I wanted to make a recommendation. Is that why you turned it off? Uh, no. Are y'all listening? <laughs> no, okay, no. I did that. Intentionally. Sorry, I will. I will but turn you... it back over. I will turn it over to you. Okay. So. I whispered to our mayor that um, I didn't realize that this was happening. What you were thinking? So I'm... Oh, oh, oh! Yeah, I had the light on at the same time. As a VP, Vice President, Vice Mayor. Uh, uh, while he was speaking about the MLK program and how great it was. Uh, as been previously stated, we were all in attendance and others, uh, my colleagues have made mention of the MLK program. And then we just heard from uh, council member Ritchie. At this time, I'm going to ask the council if they would consider when we meet to prioritize the things we would like to uh, achieve and accomplish here in Vacaville, if they would consider naming a, na a main artery here in Vacaville after Martin Luther King. No, I don't want to make it a motion. I, yes, you're, you're, and I know what I, you're saying. You, you want this to be part of our discussion when we all Yes. 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 No, I don't think that that's, that's exactly the purpose of having this. It's not everything needs to be a motion work as a body let's bring it we can bring these conversations and what's capable from the city when we meet to our, our strategy yes so, yes sorry about thank that. you yo you notice he apologized yeah. <laughs> hey listen <laughs> no i'm giving you a hard time i know so um where what i was um also just going to speak about was very good news this last week we received four million dollars worth of federal funding that is associated with other funding to get us to the $16 million mark, which allows us, thanks to Brian McLean staff, obviously the STA, Daryl Halls, and so many other people came out, including uh, Congressman Garamendi and, and Congressman Thompson, to really look at what's coming here. And what was exciting about it is, is it allows for this project to move forward for our, our intermodal exchange. And you know, Brian, you could, that's why we turned it over to you to let you explain it, but you did a, you did a fantastic job to explain it to the public and it went out to the media. And so it, it's, it's incredibly uh, important. We know, I mean, I drove, I drive over that all the time, late at night in the dark, if you're not careful, it's a steep drop off. And so from safety reasons and expanding to where we're going, it's exciting on what that's going to do, potential to bring upwards of 10,000 new jobs. We know that there's over 2,500 homes that are slated to go out there, and it really does um, activate the potential of 6 million square feet of space that is really going to help us 
then we look at our economic uh, delivery and also with all the biotech manufacturing. And they even spoke to that. And so I wanna say thank you to Don Burris, uh, always behind the scenes doing the work and the staff. Um, I know it's always so many people to appreciate, but this is a good thing for Vacaville and this is progress. So thank you. Um, and with that, we're, we are going to go um, into closed session and we do not anticipate to report out on anything tonight on the closed session. As I mentioned at the beginning, we also have the special session that we did not complete. And so as noticed at the front of this meeting, we will return to that. And uh, in, as we adjourn tonight, what I wanna do is um, adjourn in, uh, in remembrance. I have a certificate of remembrance in, in memory of the life of Harry T. Price. Uh, the, the Honorable Mayor of Fairfield, uh, a legend, an icon, an educator. And just a few thoughts, you know, he was an English teacher at Vanden High School, and he spent 38 years teaching students. And many of us went to his memorial, uh, very well attended, and, and you always wish that you could speak to someone in life versus in memory. And anyone who saw what his life was about, he lived it. A few, a few things just to consider. Uh, when he retired in 1998, he had previously been named Solano County Teacher of the Year. He was appointed to Fairfield Community Service Commission in 1988, where he served until he was appointed to the Fairfield Planning Commission in 1992. And some of these years is before some of our staff's time, right? We know that. Uh, and ultimately, he, he uh, won election to the Fairfield City Council in 1997. He served as vice mayor starting in 1999, ran unopposed in 2005 for mayor, and was reelected in 2009, 14, and 18, where he served and ultimately um, at his passing, he was still in office. And just a great uh, leader, a great human being, loved people. Anyone who knew him kn knew that you were the most important thing to him in that moment, and he will be missed. And so tonight I want to adjourn in honor of the certificate of remembrance in Harry T. Price. So with that, we're adjourned.